What's going on, everybody, and happy holidays. This is your host of the Creepcast, Rick Creeper 11. Episode 4, I'm going to introduce you to a man named by uh, Sammy Ruiz. Sammy is an amazing musician, artist, and illustrator. He not only talks about his musical influences, but the trials and tribulations that he personally experienced which influenced his life and his music. So sit back, put the headphones in, turn up that car stereo, and let's go on this road, this adventure, which is called The Art and Music of Sammy Ruiz. Happy holidays, everyone. All righty. Hello, everyone. This is episode four of the Creepcast. Thank you for tuning in. Again, this is Rick Creeper 11, the host of the Creepcast. And tonight, I'm here with a very special guest. Uh, the man's name is Sammy Ruiz. Not only he's an amazing artist and illustrator, but he's also a musician as well. And I'll definitely put all the links in descriptions where you can find his art, his music, and his Instagram. Uh, Sam, do you have a Facebook too? Yeah, the Facebook is um, just the art of Sammy Ruiz. That's the the art one. Then the music is uh, Sammy Ruiz music. So I'm just going to shut the hell up. He, he knows more than I do. So <laughs> how's it going, Sam? Good, good. Very good. Thank you for having me, dude. No problem. Um, we're, we're loosely acquainted through... Um, mutual friends so uh, uh what drew me to you obviously besides your personality and you have the cool cool style as far as clothes uh um i was huge into like the rockabilly and punk scene when i was younger i still am but you know you get older you wear comfortable shoes and loose fitting jeans yeah <laughs> i don't wear like you know the skin tight mediums cuffed up with creepers and, and the greasy pumped hair anymore i kind of toned it down but um not only your 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 style of clothes but your music and it's just very it reminds me a lot of, like the stuff i listened to when i was younger like um like Mike Nessa solo albums. Yeah. And like a lot of bands, like uh, I, I got into a band called the Coffin Cats and they're kind of like a psychobilly man, I think from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just, I dig the, I dig your latest album, which is the Ghosts of LA. Yes. Ghost of LA. Which came out in September, correct? Yeah. That was out in uh, September 30th. And that's strictly acoustic, correct? Yeah. Um, all acoustic. It's acoustic guitar um, with some, some of the tracks feature harmonica played by my buddy, uh, Luis Anguiano and uh, violin as well by my buddy, Ray Chen. He played violin, but it's pretty much um, just straightforward uh, acoustic guitar, uh, harmonica, violin, and it's uh, very simple. But I, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. I like the fact that sometimes it's music that's broken down to its rawest form. Yeah, it has meaning, and um, obviously a lot of your your songs, it's uh, personal meaning, like things of trials and tribulations in your life, which a lot of people could relate to. One of my favorite bands is um, is the SoCal um punk rock band here from Victorville, but they're pretty well known now. They're called Face to Face. Oh, yeah. And um, I mean, from when I was 16 to I'm 43 now, they just spoke to me. I mean, the hardest times of my life or positive or when I was heartbroken from a girlfriend, when I was crying or I was drunk. I mean, it was a couple of times I went to go see him, probably like the House of Blues or like uh, the Glass House of Pomona. Like I got a little teary eyed, but sometimes when you have that connection with certain music, it just, um, it definitely has meaning. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure some of your songs definitely have um, inklings of just like personal like experiences in your life, things that you went through and whatnot. Yeah, it, it was it was cool. I think with the acoustic stuff that I'm doing now, because with the band I would write some of the songs were pretty heartfelt lyrics, but the band was so loud and so you know they had that punk rock kind of energy that we would uh, put 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 on it and, uh, when we play live. So we a lot of people really couldn't hear my lyrics. So with this stuff, at least people can hear what I'm saying and hopefully maybe relate to some of those lyrics as well. So you definitely feel obviously because you're you're on your own now. Yeah. So you used to pay with the uh, Battle of Bandits, correct? Yes, Battle of Bandits. And when did you guys form? 
Uh, we started in 2004. We started, um, it was, I think. Oh, I was, that's over a decade. That is, I'm horrible at math, but don't ask me. I know, me too. <laughs> that, that was a long time ago. So yeah, we started in high school. We we had a punk band. And um, when we had the punk band, I was actually the drummer. I started playing drums in the punk band. I met the guitar player, some dude named Albert. And um, our friend Jonathan was the bass player. So you guys were just like a, like a bunch of buddies, like a garage band just jamming. Yeah. We would just get together. We had a few different band names. We were called uh, Los Rechazados. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had another band name too. I forgot. But anyways, we discovered um, a few different bands. Do you do you remember those um, compilations? Uh, Give them the boot from Hellcat Records. I'm, I know Hellcat Records. I just don't. I probably I probably seen the compilations. Probably. Yeah, because okay. I used to collect the um, uh, what were they called? Punkaramas from Epitaph. Yeah, God, oh, you just you just struck a nerve. That's just. Which I, I believe, I don't know if they're still up, but Pennywise is on that label. Don't quote me on that, but I know they were or they still are. Epitaph? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, okay. I think they're still on there. But I used to get those back way back in the day and had a bunch of them. But anyways, Hellcat Records, which is pretty much an extension of um, Epitaph, they were putting out their own compilations called um, Give Them the Boot, which featured a lot of different punk bands that were on Hellcat, like uh, uh, Rancid, of course. Who else? When I hear Punkorama, I, 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 I picture like uh, No Use for a Name. Or like um, pulley, yeah. pulley, or yeah. like um, a lag wagon, or like a, again face to face who toured with like they toured with like Dropkick Murphys all the time, yeah, and just uh, they were they were on um, I'm drawing a blank, Fat Records for a long time, yeah, and then they went they had the, they were they were with Doctor Strange Records which still exists, yeah, yeah. and Ranch Cucamonga, yeah, they're awesome. So when I was a kid. You know, the skate punks and like the rejects and the punk rockers would go to Doctor Strange Records and Alta Loma or Ranch Cucamonga, and you'd go buy your little indie uh, CDs. And that's when I discovered um, Face to Face. And yeah. This is, I lived in Upland, California. I'm like, who's this band Face to Face? And they toured everywhere locally. They played everywhere locally and they got bigger and bigger. And they were just like these tattooed kind of like punk rockers, rockabilly, and creepers, cuffed up jeans and like the yeah. black, what I'm wearing now, black t shirt and jeans, <laughs> you know. And just um, and it was just SoCal punk rock. They had that vibe, and they toured with a lot of bands, and they went on the Warp tour, and then they played like um, uh, some other festivals, and they got bigger and bigger, and they eventually got like one single on K Rock, and they went underground again. Um, yeah, when I hear punk rock, it just takes me back to those days. That's why I like your music. I was like, that just sounds pretty old school, like the stuff I listened to, yeah. know, over twenty years ago. And, and you're in your early thirties, correct? Yes, I'm thirty one. So you're thirty one years old, and you had this influence from bands that were around in my era yeah you know and i have i have 10 plus years on you so i'm all right on dude and i was like okay <laughs> little uh, funny story about face-to-face little side tangent when i was in uh college i was going to pasadena city college mm-hmm. and i was taking um english i was an english major at one point and um one of my teachers my one of the instructors his name was shane underwood and i remember the first couple days of class like we introduced ourselves and i remember my name's sammy and every time he'd walk into class, he's like, Trevor, what's up, Trevor? I'm like, my name's not Trevor, dude. I'm like, my name's Sammy. You look like Trevor Keith. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, what do you keep calling me Trevor? He's like, dude, you look like Trevor Keith. And back then I had like a pompadour and right. I wear the cuff jeans. And so Trevor Keith is the lead vocalist in uh, rhythm guitar player from Face to Face. You do kind of look like him. <laughs> yeah. funny, like a mini version of Super cool, dude. Yeah. Um, quick story. This was their breakup tour. Their fell world tour, but they, they got back together back in, I'm about the age of myself, 2013. And they played the House of Blues in, in Hollywood. Uh-huh. And um, this is this is the day I used to wear my creepers and like my lucky 13 button down Dickie shirt and, yeah. and greasy hair with pompadour or whatever. And I had these mean old mushroom, m- m- uh, mutton chops. So um, I was drinking that day. And somehow we ended up in the foundation room, the little after hour thing upstairs. Yeah. 
um, I didn't realize that the band um, dressing room was right across the hall from mm. the entrance to the foundation room. So I'm pretty, I'm a little drunk, I admit it. And so um, I'm walking out. Here comes Trevor Keith face to face. And he's wearing the same identical two-tone TUK creepers I'm wearing. And I bump into him and he smiles. Hey, how's it going? And within two minutes, I, I fired off like how I've been listening to him since I was 16. And I'm uh-huh. a big fan. And no, no, no. I sound like an idiot. Somehow I ended up spilling my Jack, Jack, uh, Jack and Coke on his creepers. Uh-huh. And I, I felt so bad. And we were wearing the same creepers. And he's like, that's cool, man. He signed my arm. Uh-huh. He signed my arm. Flash forward to like like a couple of years later when they got back together, they played at the Glass House in um, downtown Pomona. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think I had my little nephew with me at the time, and he's he's getting exposed to all these punk rock bands or whatever. So I'm like, hey, uh, they're they're going to come down and shake the crowd's hand because the Glass House is it's literally the size of my apartment. Mm-hmm. So which I think is cool when bands do that. They they relate to their to their audience. Yeah, right? and they're just they're they're humble guys. They're all family men and whatnot. So um, I call his name and I shake his hand and I'm like, hey, you're probably not going to remember this. And I tell him the story, how I, I spill my drink on him. And he's like, yeah, you're the guy that spilled that Jack and Coke. But he probably didn't say Jack and Coke. You're the guy who spilled your cocktail on my creepers. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm wearing the same pair today. And I showed him and he was like, hey, thanks for supporting us, this and this and that. But nice. um, you kind of look like him. So your, your, your instructor said, kept calling you Trevor. Yeah. I'm like, why do you keep calling me Trevor? Then he's like, dude, you look like Trevor Trevor Keith from face to face. So mm-hmm. anyways, that's when I'm like, oh, man, this guy's really cool. This instructor, Shane, he was, uh, yeah, he was really young, sleeve down tattoos. What kind, of, what kind of course were you taking? What course was this? This was English, um, I think, 3C, okay. which was, I went pretty high in English. I was really interested in literature and reading and analysis and um, a lot of creative writing, which, um, yeah, was I took interest in that at a very early age in, in high school. So you have that. It's funny because people that are they're they're artsy, they're creative. If you if you're either like molding clay or you're playing acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. guitar, excuse me, that will never stops turning. Yeah, exactly. It never, it never stops, and it's like either you're finding it through literature, music, cinema, yeah, or you know, sketching in a book. I was always sketching when I was a kid. Yeah, just doodling like short stories or just like writing my thoughts out. Um, I never realized that my, my buddy brought it to my attention. He was a musician. I mm-hmm. write poetry. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a meathead. I write poetry. I used to write poetry or short stories. Yeah. He's yeah. like, your poetry is, is actually song format. Yeah. I didn't realize I was doing chorus. I was like, Oh, okay. And he's like, dude, run with it, dude. And an amazing guitar player. Um, and the guy's like self-employed now. He's like a millionaire, which is crazy. I mean, he never got into the music industry. But, uh-huh. Um, so you obviously had this, this artistic bug, um, as a young man up until being, you know, a 30 some year old man, at what age did you realize that um, you had this this niche? Like, when did you first pick up like guitar or any type of instrument? The guitar. So, uh, kind of going back to that story with the uh, the punk band that I was in, in in junior high school. So we had, um, yeah. So we were we were playing. I was playing drums, and we had started picking up those um, given the boot compilations from Hellcat Records. Mm-hmm. And there was two bands on there that we were like, what the heck is this? Like they just sounded very distinct, very different from all the other bands, which was the Necromantics and, oh, oh my God. and uh, Tiger Army. You're speaking my language. Okay. Yeah. And we, we heard like this crazy click in their music. We're like, what is that? So we kind of looked up pictures of them. And back then there were, I don't even think there was YouTube. There was, I mean, I'm sure we can go on and we found like the, the, the guy from the Necromantics used a big coffin base. And we're like, whoa, shoot, that's pretty crazy. So anyways, at the time, my guitar player ended up buying a stand-up bass. I ended up picking up guitar. He, you were talking junior high? Yeah, we so were in junior high. How in the hell did you afford a stand-up bass in junior high? <laughs> I think because my my, da- my, uh, my 
bass player or the previous guitar player in the punk band, his dad was, uh, he was from Mexico. Like he would go back and forth to Mexico all the time. So I think he bought him a bass in Mexico, one of those big like mariachi kind of bases. Yeah. Sound like the circus in town. Exactly. Sounds like my neighbors. Yeah. Okay. So I think he picked one up out there and then he just kind of painted it and stuff and it looked pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So I, I picked up a guitar because my grandpa bought me a guitar for Christmas one year. And um, uh, I, what, at what age was this? This I must have been fourteen or thirteen, I think. No, were you playing the drums prior to that in the band? Then you picked up the guitar. Or? Yes, yeah, I was playing the drums, and um, I was all self-taught with drums. And I picked up the guitar, and um, it, it was pretty hard playing the guitar. But I just kind of sat in my room. I was the only thing all, all I would do back then was listen to music, skateboard, and play guitar. I pretty much taught myself. That is, that is so punk rock, like just music and skateboard, and just, yeah. all you want to do was skate, hang out with your friends, and play. Guitar music. Yeah, that's all I did for hours on end. I would get home from school and just learn the guitar. And I pretty much learned, taught myself how to play from uh, the Ramones, of course. So you sat there and you listening to the Ramones. And what other bands were you listening to that, that you self-taught yourself to play acoustic guitar? A big one was uh, Social Distortion. Their songs were very Ramones-like, right. like the simple three chords. My dad liked Social Distortion. Um, who else? Did you learn first on an acoustic or an electric? I learned, actually, it was an acoustic guitar. That I my- heard and most musicians that I know or talk to they said it was better to practice on the acoustic first. Yeah. To learn on the acoustic and then you'll master the electric because the fretboard is hitting certain notes was harder. Yeah. Okay. You have to put a little more strength into holding the strings down. So yeah, I pretty much was self-taught. Then we kind of just composed our own songs with the uh, the the now stand-up bass player who was the guitar player. I was um, um, the guitar. And we found a drummer. We found a drummer in high school. His brother was like the best drummer in school. He was always, his name was Jimmy. And we always like, Jimmy was like the, the God of drums. The guy that you wanted to jam with. Okay. Yeah. But his younger brother, we, um, he was pretty good as well, but he was, uh, he was not as good as Jimmy, of course, but we ended up picking up his younger brother. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how we started. We got together for a battle of the bands. And so um, this, this, this whole trip started in junior high. Yeah. And then it carried over to high school. And eventually you guys became the ballot bandits. Yes. So in, in, uh, in high school, we kind of took it a little more seriously. We were, um, we recorded a demo Really? We were making t-shirts. We would start, we were booking shows. We were putting our flyers all around town. Wow, so you guys were self-promoting <clears throat> yeah. everything. Shirts, flyers, demos, whatnot. Yeah. And this is all in high school. All in high school. And yeah. by then you were playing guitar only. You walked you walked, you walked away from the drums and focused more on guitar. Yeah, I pretty much dropped the drums. I would play them here and there, but I just kind of, I got really rusty in the drums and I just focused 100% on the, um, on the guitar. And um, yeah, we would sneak into the principal's office to go make uh, Xerox flyers of our flyers. <laughs> Xerox copies. <laughs> I was okay. That's resourceful. Okay. And I would hand draw our flyers and stuff. Well, we would pretty much play backyard gigs and um, like East LA, Lincoln Heights and stuff. She did a lot of like that. It's funny because like if you grew up in, um, I grew up in San Gabriel Valley uh-huh. in Hacienda Heights, La Puente area. And then I had family lived like in South Amani and my, mm-hmm. my um, grandparents were in Montebello. It's like if you grew up in a neighborhood yeah, that had, you know, had like a little barrio, it's like you were either part of the neighborhood or you're like the rocker kid that was like, into like metal or to like punk rock and they're like okay yeah. we'll respect that we'll leave you alone we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not gonna jump into the neighborhood um so at this age you guys were taking it more and more serious you yeah. mentioned that you used to draw your own flyers because sammy's an artist as well as an illustrator um when did you notice you had a talent to draw or at least illustrate um i started drawing my mom kind of my mom kind of taught me how to draw when i was younger my mom was very artistic she was in she was a seamstress so you got that influence from a certain like parental figure like a grandparents or your mom or dad yeah my mom really taught me how to draw like the the line work and stuff and actually my grandma janet she really taught me how to color 
she would sit there and color coloring books with me. And I remember her colors were very bold and she would kind of teach me how to use the crayons and stuff. But yeah, little by little, I started just drawing pictures for, um, <clears throat> for the band in, in high school, junior high. And, um, what else did I do? I do, um, I, I actually, I got hired in high school and junior high to draw pictures for people. Like I would charge people five bucks just to make some extra cash. Yeah. And it probably went to like the band fund or whatever. Or yeah. Your pocket. Yeah. Okay. Dad, you did more. I was, I was a stoner jock in high school. <laughs> I just wanted to party and chase women. Damn. <laughs> That's very artistic. So you, you definitely had that exposure, um, to the artistic side through influences from your, you said your mom and your aunt. Yeah, my grandma. Yeah. Now, who who exposed you to music at an early age? Was like was your was your dad or was your mom or like a older brother? I, I don't know your siblings. I know you have a sister. I know that. Yes, I have a younger but, um, sister. Um, who exposed you to music? I think the biggest music influence was my dad. My dad was uh, he still is, but he um, he was into um, like thrash, like DRI and uh, oh wow, okay. um, Slayer is one of his favorite bands, and Very he was into. 80s. Yeah, he was into um, old punk rock too, like Discharge. and So you probably heard it like played in the distance. Yeah. And you kind of was like, wow, what is that? And then you went on your own journey and started discovering like Social D, the Ramones. Yeah. Probably like, you know, like Operation Ivy. I'm just throwing out certain bands. Oh, yeah. Like, Op Ivy's was like, like a lot of ska and punk. Like for me, you know, I was a 90s kid, but I had influence when I was younger in the 80s. Mm -hmm. My brother, my brother listened to like, like New Wave and like Dark Goth and like metal. Like I remember hearing like, he had the Smiths. Now it's cool to listen to Smiths. He had the Smiths like on vinyl. Yeah. And he had like U2 and like uh, English Beat and mm -hmm. like Selector, Selector and like the specials and all that. And then it came, to, I came to age, you know, when I was in, um, a teenager mm -hmm. and it was like the whole, like uh, the grunge era. Like, yeah. Like bands like Soundgarden and like Alice in Chains. But at the same time, we had this whole, this SoCal punk scene, like those bands like Helmet. Social D was getting bigger and bigger and like Pennywise and like Rancid and, uh, who else face to face and like, you know, drop, uh, drop kick Murphy, Swaggy mm -hmm. Molly. Yeah. Who else? I'm uh, bad religion. God. That, that's yeah. I, I am. So I love that band. But I, I refuse to listen to their music. Cause I listened to it so many times. Yeah. I was like, Nope, I can't listen. I love it. I can't, I just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, so you definitely came into a certain age where that influence from an older, an older relative just kind of molded to molded your musical influences. And eventually you become a musician yourself. Yes. Okay. Yeah, my dad was buying me exploited t-shirts when I was like 13, 14. And um, he gave me a few different cassettes, like a seven seconds cassette. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, then I discovered like adolescence. Uh, yeah, minor that's another, that's, yeah, minor threat, adolescence. Yeah. All these bands toured like, and they were all just like part of like, they all did the Warped Tour or they all did, um, what's this other big event they used to do? And it's just, they were all part of the same, like just group of family, the same group of friends. It's just, they yeah, were, that's a trip. So. So once I, yeah, I think once I discovered those gateway bands for like, like Tiger Army and the Necromantics from the Give Them the Boot compilations, I started doing a little more research and I kind of found that Mike Ness did a solo thing and I really, really liked what he did with that old country. Um, it country was, twang. Yeah. I see that influence in your music. Like I hear it. Like when yeah. I listened to the album the other day, I was like, this sounds like Mike Ness's like influence like yeah. when he did his solo stuff. And it's very, it's very honky tonk country, yeah. little rockabilly peppered in there a little punk rock with yeah. the, the power chords yeah and i was listening it's in on that work and i'm like it's a day before thanksgiving or like a couple of days i'm like i ain't doing a damn thing i'll work i'm listening to sammy's music <laughs> i did my research i'm like okay i i dig the album like every it was hard to narrow down the music the songs i liked because uh -huh. i liked every single track i'm like well we can't do a three-hour podcast so it's like i'm gonna have to narrow down a couple of songs we're gonna play today <laughs> so you said gateway bands was definitely like ne uh, necromantics and um Tiger Army. Yes. And from uh, from them, I kind of discovered uh, like the Reverend Horton Heat, which was a freaking awesome band, um, the Mike Ness solo project stuff. 
And um, yeah, we, we kind of got into the rockabilly scene with the Battle of Bandits at one point. We were doing a lot of those shows, like the rockabilly showdowns. Um, and from there, we kind of, yeah, we just, we, we just started playing a lot of those shows. We kind of side, we, we stopped playing those shows towards the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kind of just started doing our own thing and playing mainly punk rock shows, just rock and roll shows and stuff. And it was cool. And that's kind of where this acoustic stuff kind of led me now with all those uh, previous experiences, I'd say. Do you feel that um, you're a little more in tune with your music being on your own or um, like obviously, you know, the experiences you had with the, with the, the ballet bandits and everything you did in high school, it molded and molded to uh, who you are now. Mm-hmm. So uh, you feel like you're a little more in tune now in your music with, with the experiences you had, not only like musically, but also life experiences. Yeah, I think so. I think um, now that I'm up 31, I have definitely more life experiences under my belt. So a lot of these songs are getting a little deeper, a little darker, uh, a little more thoughtful, I think. And I think it's nice to be able to play them behind an acoustic guitar, which you can hear the lyrics. The acoustic guitar is very emotional, I'd say, compared to the electric, which is kind of loud and mm-hmm. you know distorted. Um, and I think, yeah, that's kind of the reason why I started playing these acoustic shows in the first place was because I didn't get a chance to play some of these songs with the band. Mm-hmm. So I kind of started doing acoustic shows by myself, but it was always kind of a little... It was a little scary because I didn't have a full band behind me, and um, so that verdict, that first experience, you by yourself, just with acoustic guitar. I don't know if you stand. No, you stand most of your shows, don't you? Yeah, and just out there on your own. Yeah, and just with the house lights and like a few people in the crowd, or whatever. How 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 was that first experience like? You know, how did you feel? And just were you nervous? Were you antsy? Did you feel like you were going to fail? It just I can't imagine. I couldn't go up there and do it. It's just yeah. Me as a monster, like I have to hide behind that stuff to perform. Yeah. Because me, just I'm so reserved and quiet, and just like there's Rick, and then there's Rick Reaper, the monster. Like, hey, come here! And it's like <laughs> I have to have like that suit of armor. Yeah. And it just it's it's like a light switch. I turn it on and turn it off. It's just um, how was it for you your first time? The first time it, it was a bit scary. It was a bit scary, not only because I was by myself, and I if I messed up, it was completely on me. Mm-hmm. So I really had to memorize the lyrics just to make sure everything flowed pretty consistently. Um, I had to make sure I played pretty well. I hit the right chords. I didn't mess up. Um, but also, I think I was a little bit nervous as well because I didn't have a full band behind me, and I thought people wouldn't like it as much because I didn't have a band. But I think now discovering different musicians, like um, uh, there's this one guy I really like called Amigo the Devil. He's just an acoustic guy, and he's like selling out festivals now. He's getting huge. I'm like, man, this is just one person. So now I'm kind of discovering how it's not – the fact that we don't have a band behind us, it's what we bring to the performance. And it's almost like I kind of started seeing myself like a stand-up comic almost, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense, because... Like a, a solo performer. Exactly. They just go up there by themselves. You go see someone like Dave Chappelle. It's just him. You know, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not a comic, but same kind of thing, though. It's just them. And so, um, yeah, that, that, dude, that is challenging. I don't see how I would have freaked out. It's just... Uh, yeah. Um. So your very first gig, um, is that your most memorable, like your solo gig? I Yeah, the very first solo gig, I played a few different weird ones. Like I played at a bar where there was like no – it was just a bartender that I played <laughs> to. There was that. Then I played at a church. Um, yeah, I, I was going to church for a little bit. Then this uh, the pastor had asked me, he's like, hey, you want to come play for like on a on – a, it was some like – Christmas festival. I'm like, sure. I'm like, I don't think my songs are very appropriate though for church. You're like uh, uh, addiction and love and heartbreak. And yeah. Like, okay. It's like, <laughs> so I, I did at church. I played a song called I get drunk off three beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. me. What you did. Yeah. I mean, some people were laughing and smiling, but the other people are like, when the hell is this guy? But, uh, 
Yeah, those were the most memorable. I think I those those first ones. And uh, but yeah, I think I kind of grew confidence during those first shows, and it's again, it's kind of what I brought to the performance. Cool. So the new album, the the, the latest album, I'll remind us of the title. Yeah, uh, Ghost of LA. And that's album. pretty much. I found it on YouTube Music, uh, Spotify, Google Play Music, and Amazon Prime Music as well. So I was like, wow, you're everywhere. Um, there's a lot of tracks I like. It just uh, I had to narrow it down to a couple I wanted to hear. But um, how do you feel about playing a song right now? Yeah, yeah, let's do it, dude. Cool. I'll let you. I'll let you pick whatever track you want to play. Cool. Uh, let's see. We'll do Midnight Center. That's cool. the first track on that CD. Cool. But yeah, this song was uh, actually I wrote it with my band, the Bad Luck Bandits. Back in whew, man, two thousand five. So uh, that was fourteen years ago. I yeah. <laughs> so it's always a fun one to play. Oh, 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 oh,
Midnight Cinema. <laughs> Thank you, dude. That was amazing. I, I wanted to grab my lighter and light it like a crowd at a concert. <laughs> um, that was amazing. That just, uh, I don't know why that song just, it strikes a chord like, uh, I had my days yeah. like drinking and being being a maniac and barking at the moon. So when I heard that, I know I was like, I was listening to my headphones at work and I was like, Sammy's got some soul in him. He's got some, you could definitely tell there's a lot of you. You didn't just write a song. Just mm-hmm. write a song. Like you took a lot of your personal trials and tribulations, your life experiences and put it into music. So yeah, um, yeah. to me, the most memorable art or most valid mark, uh, art is when you take personal aspects, aspects of your life. Yeah. And you you transpose them to something like this illustrations of music. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, that was that was pretty cool, man. So yeah, that was that that one's uh yeah, I was a madman at one point, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of about that. It's about those times in my life when I was drinking real heavy. I hear you, man. I've been there. Yeah. So we're gonna take a quick little break. Um, we're gonna come back with um, the art and music of Sammy Ruiz, and uh, he's an amazing guest so far. We just literally burned up thirty music thirty minutes on this. Wow, that was fast. Dang. We have so much more to talk about, too. But, uh, we'll definitely tune. Uh, we'll definitely come back. You guys stay tuned. Thanks. Okay, we're back at it. Episode four with myself, Rick Creeper Levin, and my amazing guest, Sammy Ruiz. You can find his music on Spotify, Google Play Music, Amazon Prime, YouTube Music, and iTunes as well. Yes, uh, uh, Spotify. It's actually on iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio, wow. Okay. <laughs> Pandora. <laughs> Pandora, damn. Uh, I better make sure I do my homework next time. Uh, and also, where can we find your artwork, Sammy? Artwork, it's um, well, mainly I, I'm most active on my Instagram, The Art of Sammy Ruiz. Um, I got a Facebook that I, it, same um, link to, The Art of Sammy Ruiz. My website, um, theartofsammyruiz.com. But pretty much those three forums. I'll definitely put all the links to, um, in the description where you can find his artwork, his music. Instagram ladies, I'm assuming you're single. Yes. And if you want to send them uh, uh, <laughs> uh, messages, you can on his Instagram as well. <laughs> so again, I'm here with Sammy Ruiz. Um, so what are you, some of your favorite bands that you like to listen to now? My favorite bands? Oh man, I think I went back to a lot of the old stuff um, uh, with a bit of new. So I would say probably my top favorite all-time musician is Tom Waits. Tom Waits. And uh, see, if if anyone knows Tom Waits, Tom Waits has his different eras. Mm-hmm. And I really, really love the 90s Tom Waits. My mom likes him, which is weird. She's an older lady. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wow, you actually, I'm like, okay. I'm not that big of a fan. My mom was, I was like, you know who he is? She's like, yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. So I think some of the first Tom Waits stuff that I've heard was like the 70s stuff, which mm-hmm. is just weird. It's just like, I can't even listen to it. I'm like, what the hell is like? He brought a little, lot of drugs back then. Yeah. Like, yeah. He was, yeah, he was real heavy into drugs, I think. But the 90s Tom Waits stuff, if I can explain it, with words, it's very circusy. It's like a dark circus. It's like bad guy music, pretty much. <laughs> very, very cinematic, like yes. cinematic. Excuse me. Yeah. Yes. So he has an album called um, uh, Blood Money and um, Alice. Uh, those albums are freaking amazing. So I think yeah, Tom Waits. Um, of course, a lot of the LA punk stuff, like Bad Religion, Adolescence, um, Black Flag, uh, Social Distortion is a big one. Um, I also like the the more. Um, how can I put their music? The uh, well, I guess bands like Floggy Molly, Gogo mm-hmm. Bordello, where they do like the Celtic kind of punk and yeah, they always they always they're, they're always doing um, which again face to face, I keep you know promoting them. They played um, this recent St. Patty's. I think it was Floggy Molly and Face to Face. They played in Boston. Oh, nice. So yeah. they, they have some bro bromance. Those two bands, uh, them no, uh, Floggy Molly and Drawkit Murphys are always it's always them face to face like lag wagon going on tour. Yeah, so um, 
I seen them play acoustic. They did. They did an acoustic set. Wow, I think it was a year ago. It's a little local spot here in, in Tustin called um, Marty's on Newport. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. But uh, I say about three, no, about five or six years ago at the uh, observatory here in Costa Mesa slash Santa Ana, they did. Um, they, it was called like the it was like the uh, Triple Crown. Mm-hmm. So what they did they did the first room albums in the entirety. Nice. So one night they did one album, and um, I think the second night. They did the third album. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm stupid. They did the first. They did the first rounds each night, and then they peppered in a couple other stuff, which is cool because you see the tracks they play, the, the popular tracks. Yeah. But for them to play like the, 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 some of the B sides as well. Oh, nice. And they did. They did. And it was just the coolest fucking event. And then um, Garage Garage Land. They do artwork for a lot of bands. Oh yeah. Okay. They, um, I actually got the poster and I got the band to sign each band member to sign it. Yeah. Again, I don't want to bring up the Jack and Coke story when I met Trevor Keith. I'm like, uh-huh. hey guys, and they they signed my poster. And it was cool, but they played all three albums the first three nights. And no one's I don't think no one's ever done that before. Nice. Um, but they're they're that band that just tours with all the SoCal punk bands and just like you know, Fat Records and just like who else, like Epitaph and whatnot. They're all like the same family. Yeah. Well, I mean, besides the bands you mentioned, like who who'd be like to it doesn't have to be rock, it doesn't have to be rockabilly or punk. Uh-huh. What are some other like favorite type of genre music or like bands you go to? So I when I'm not listening to punk and stuff, I really do like music from the the twenties and thirties. Uh, one of my other favorites, my all time favorite guitar player is uh Django Reinhardt. Um I, I think that music from back then was so freaking beautiful. Um Edith Piaf, that mm-hmm. French vocalist. Um okay. yeah, I love that old school music like that. It's funny because um, I listened to a lot of big big band and swing music. Yeah, my dad. Yeah, my dad. My dad was all over the map with his music. He didn't really like a lot of like he says, "Oh, goddamn hippie music from like the '60s." Yeah, but he loved like like '50s golden oldies, like doo wop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, oh, he yeah. loved like you know Dion and the Belmonts and like um, what do you call it? Uh, geez, Buddy Holly. You know, like uh, who else? Like just all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So one of that that's where I, I listened to a lot of golden oldies, and then like he loved like Glenn Miller. And like uh, Benny Goodman and all that. And yeah, so I, I listen to now, like when I'm cooking or cleaning the apartment, I put on like big band. Yeah, same here. My grandpa was uh, huge into Fats Domino. That so he's probably one of my favorites too. Fats Domino. Um, my grandpa liked a lot of old blues too, which he kind of exposed me to, like Howlin' Wolf and uh, Lightning Hopkins. I could see that. I could see that influence in your music, dude. Yeah, those guys are the real deal. So you were getting this this influence even without realizing it because you're yeah just from older older you know your parents and your grandparents and it's like. It's amazing because a lot of those artists influence like the artists you're listening to now who inspired you to make your own music. Yeah. That's a trip, man. So yeah. So some of your songs definitely have personal, how can I say this? Influence, obviously. Uh-huh. Um like some of your songs, like example, like I'm assuming Fallen Angel has has some personal influence or like meaning or like um a low lower addiction. Yeah. Um so you mentioned to me personally, you've been sober for two years. Yeah. I went through um, a crazy point in my life. Right? I mean, the music industry, I think it's no surprise. A lot of musicians do a lot of drugs. Not all, not all of them, of course, mm-hmm. but um, it is easy to get into drugs. And um, yeah, I found myself hanging out with the wrong people. And uh, yeah, I was a, I was a madman. I was doing pretty much every drug that would put, <laughs> that'd be put in front of my face. And I would, <laughs> and I'd do a lot of it and uh, drinking pretty heavy um, but yeah, a lot of these songs that I play now are kind of about those times. Just a reflection of your, 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 your past life. Yeah. And I think, um, what pretty much got me straightened out and stuff was my, um, not only that I was, what was I pretty bad? I was losing focus. I was losing, losing sight of pretty much everything I love to do, artwork, music. Mm-hmm. Um, but also my mom getting uh, sick 
that pretty much straightened me out too. I'm like, all right, now it's go time. Now it's time to take care of my mom. I need to be street minded all the time. It's funny. Sometimes I'll just like, um, you know, a life changing experience. Like it, that's, that's the reality check. Yeah. And like you have to like, okay, it's time to, to let go of the thing, the frivolous things, or it's time to be responsible. Yeah. Same with me. You know, my dad obviously passed away a couple of years ago and it was time for me to, to be that figure in my mom's life. Yeah. Provide and whatnot. And certain things no longer have value. And we've all, we've all had our demons. I'm mm-hmm. not perfect. I've done, I've, not, I've done things I'm not proud of with yeah. alcohol and experimenting with certain drugs and whatnot. But, um, it's funny how you could re- not necessarily regret, but then you could create like what you did. You created art, you created music from this life experience. Right. Right. Hence, hence the, the song addiction. So, and, and, and there's probably someone out there who's listening to it and they, and they, they can relate to the, they can say the same thing. They're related to it. They're like, yeah, the, your words, your music is actually striking a chord in their heart. Right, right, and they, they can relate to you as well, or you know they'll listen to that music when they need to be, you know, be up, uplifted from something, or they're, mm-hmm. they're just in a certain mood. They got to hear that song. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, like pretty much what you said. I think um, I don't regret doing them, but I do regret some of the things I did while I was doing them. Right. Um, yeah, I look back now and I get I just cringe. I'm like, damn, I did some nasty, <laughs> messed up stuff. <laughs> but again, you know what? It's you get it at a young age, which I always told me: if you're gonna do things, do it at a young age. Get out of your system. Yeah. Learn your lesson. Move on. Don't regret, but don't forget. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just made that up right now. That's I'm gonna I'm gonna trademark that. Don't but regret. Sure. Don't, <laughs> don't regret. Don't forget. Um, so yeah, so another song I would like to hear, if you don't mind, is um, since we're on the topic of love, of addiction, and obviously this has a personal, personal, what do you call it? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? This obviously has a personal, it's a personal note, yeah, piece yes. of your life. Yeah. So um, if you don't mind playing an addiction, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. It was about that time in my life when mm-hmm. I was just a, a madman, but uh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. called addiction. It could have been called madman, but decided to call it addiction. <laughs> You know, I haven't played this in a good while. I really don't play this one live too much. So no pressure. See. No pressure yeah. on uh, my <laughs> shitty podcast. Yeah. Five wasted years and countless bloody tears. Lost and blind, no reason, no rhyme. Nickels, dimes, and a little petty crimes. Whiskey thrills and a little magic pills. Anything so wrong, it never seemed so right. He filled up his mind with the blackness of the night. A wasted man indeed, the worst of all disease. He shot up his veins with a drug that he called pain. He once had it all, but soon he would fall. Found a kind of dope that was said to bring him hope. A junkie at its best, but just like all the rest, his addiction to this pain drove him insane. cigarettes and an empty little bed he called her on the phone another night alone his heart was cold and black and a shiver ran down his back he then began to see 
the fool he grew to be. He found his box of tricks and he took that final fix. This pain he adored was gone forevermore. This gun in his hand seemed to understand. He lay on his bed with a bullet in his head. He once had it all whole, but soon he would fall. Found a kind of dope that was said to bring him hope. A junkie at its best, but just like all the rest, his addiction to this pain drove him insane. Like a da down, 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 down, like a da down, like a da down, down, like a da down, like a da down. Like a da da dum, like a da da dum dum, like a da da dum. He once had it all, but soon he would fall. Found a kind of dope that was said to bring him hope. A junkie at its best, but just like all the rest, his addiction to this pain drove him insane. Addiction to this pain drove him insane. His addiction to this pain drove him insane. His addiction to this pain drove him insane. His addiction to this pain drove him insane. Right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. That was amazing. Thank you, dude. Um, I'm slowly, slowly falling in love with Samuel Reese. How dreamy he is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Now, now, hearing that, does it, I mean, does it strike a nerve, like remind you of, you know, those times or just, uh, not as, I mean, we all regret a little bit, yeah. but we try not to like beat up ourselves. All it just, it brings back those old memories, like hearing that song that you, you wrote about your life experiences. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, sometimes it gets emotional. Sometimes I, I kind of feel like crying, dude, when I play some of those songs, specifically that one, because, um. I think a lot of people can relate to this and I'm kind of not so embarrassed to say this anymore, but I was, yeah, I was suicidal. Well, you're yeah. wearing your heart on your sleeve. You're, you're yeah. putting yourself out there. You're, you're, you're putting your emotions out there for people to, someone be like, wow, this guy went through a lot or I could experience, I could relate to the same thing. Um, yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, and again, it's, it's some different type of art form, but uh, there was times that I got emotional just being, you know, the stupid monster performing Yeah, and just, you know, personally investing like certain characteristics or aspects of that of my life into that character yeah so I, I totally get it it's just uh but at the same time it's good to feel it's good to feel that pain just to remind you um to get that measurement of who you were then to who you are now yeah um you went from completely being lost to just your priorities were not there you weren't focused on your music or your family loved ones to now you're i mean you have art mm -hmm. you're making your your you have your music you have an album you're, you're at all the conventions you're at here you were at midsummer scream you were at son of monster Palooza, or were you just hanging out um, there, I was just hanging out. Yeah, that one. You were at uh, um, the Salem Market. Were you at the Salem? No, you were at the Sugar Mint, um, Terror Market, excuse me. Yes, I was at uh, the Sugar Mint, um, the LA Comic Con I was at. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, this year I try to do some of the more bigger ones. I've been trying to slowly progress and, uh, 
yeah, really expand myself. I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of my feed of seeing Sam and Reese at every every <laughs> fucking convention. I'm like, I get it. I get it, dude. I get it. Okay, you, you got cool artwork and you're this handsome looking dude that plays guitar too. I get it. <laughs> no, but, uh, but seriously, it's just you went from you know battling these demons that yeah. you know, and then you you overcame it and re- you remind yourself of where you came from, what not to. Look at you now. You, you you toured with Rancid. You toured with Pennywise. This was in Denver. Yes. Um, so so Rancid, Pennywise, Iron Reagan, and the English Beat. Those four bands were all on tour together. They were doing um, a United States tour. So I joined the tour during the last three shows. So I w- I flew into Salt Lake City, um, Utah, and I played the first show there. Then we all drove out to um, Denver. So in Denver, we did two shows there. It was a Saturday show and a Sunday show. And yeah, they were they were insane. They were crazy. So. Two things. So, look, you, we look back to the person you were, who it's a reflection of this song. Mm-hmm. To the person you are now, you're you're fucking touring with, you're doing a gig with Pennywise, yeah, and with Tim Armstrong, and then just it's. I see the picture with Tim Armstrong. I'm like, holy shit! I'm like, <laughs> I mean, when he was with Operation Ivy and his solo stuff, which was very scholarly, which I liked. Yeah, I mean, is it just a trip? It's weird. It's crazy. I because my my band, the Bad Luck Bandits, we opened up for Rancid back in 2008. And um, we we were just super lucky to have gotten that opportunity. What was this at exactly? This was at the House of Blues in Anaheim. We, okay, which is a cool venue. They yeah, amazing. It's it's okay. So it's a good venue as far as its acoustics mm-hmm. and its sound. Just it's a shitty setup. Well, it's not there no more, obviously. Yeah. No wait, is this the new location or the old location? This was when it was at the uh, downtown Disney. Okay, yeah. It's just when yeah. you walked in, the crowd was like right there. Yeah. Um, it was it was weird. I kind of I always liked the House of Blues Hollywood a little bit more, like the setup. I think that setup I really like that one. And the one in the Bellagio in Vegas, I think it's the bigger one of the three. I've never been to San Diego, but I heard that one's pretty nice too. San Diego, yeah, I haven't been to that one either. But um, yeah, that was cool. We we had a friend that re- that hooked us up with that gig, and he um, he was really good friends with Tim Armstrong, and it was cool. I mean, at that time in two thousand eight, it, it was a crazy time in my life because my daughter was being born. Um, she was born two thousand eight. So we had that show coming up. The band was kind of getting some buzz around it. Um, and yeah, that's kind of at the point where I just started kind of going downhill. And I think being, being so young too, we didn't realize what we were doing. And now that I got this opportunity again. You were in your early 20s. That was, that was 11 years ago. Yeah, I think I was, yeah, I was 20 years old. That's a lot of, that's a lot of responsibility for, for a young man to not only uh, have your own life, you know, your life responsibilities, but soon to be a father. Yeah. And then uh, a band that's going on tour and having to produce music and be, and having, you know, you're, you're, you're performing amongst a group. So there's expect, there's certain levels of responsibility expected of you. Yeah. So I can see why, you know, you get into temptation you give into, you know, we're only human. I mean, you're, yeah. You're going to break down. You're going to give in. I, should I do? It's like, you know, even the, like the frivolous things, like I'll break down eat McDonald's and I feel horrible for a couple of days. It's like, you <laughs> yeah. know, but, that is a lot of responsibility for a 20 year old man. Yeah. I can, I can never relate to that. Cause you know, but it's like, but talking about what you did recently, how, how are you approached to even fucking tour with Rancid and Pennywise? That's crazy. So this one, yeah, my, my, um, I got a good friend named Elvis Cortez. Elvis plays with a band called left alone. So me and Elvis have been friends for years. I met him with, with my band. Um, so he gave me a call one day. He's like, Hey man, do you, uh, you want to open up for Rancid and Pennywise? I'm like, what? Like, just, hey, how's it going? You want, you want, you want to go on tour with Branson Pennywise? Yeah. I'm like, are you, are you talking to the right guy? I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. He's like, pretty much what you're going to do is, yeah, you're going to fly out to Salt Lake City and you'll play um, Denver too. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. So this was probably a month before the shows actually actually happened. So I just, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, damn, here I am again, getting the second chance to open up for Rancid. And I 
kind of felt like I was. Is that kind of weird? Like if you're again, you're opening up for Rancid. Yeah. Year, ten some years later. You yeah. Know, do you feel it was like a second opportunity? Like like um, kind of rise of the phoenix. Like hey, I did this. Right. I had my trials and tribulations, and now I'm on my own. I've had life experience. I've learned what I not to do now. What to do not what what to do not what to do. Yeah. And now you're like you're revisiting the same same opportunity. It's just exactly. And I, 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 when he first asked me, I thought he had uh, wanted the band, the Battle of Bandits. And I told him, hey, man, we're, we're kind of not together anymore. And He's like, no, we want you. Right, exactly. He said, we, we, wanna, we want you to play. I'm like, holy shit. Where, it was kind of one of those moments where it felt like a glitch in the Matrix. Like, is this real? Like, now, were they watching you, like the bands? I, I would have been nervous, like, seeing, like, the guys from Pennywise, like Fletcher and those uh-huh. guys, or, like, Tim Armstrong, the other guys watching you off to the side of the stage. Like, so I think the, the first night in Salt Lake City, I had a... Um, I ran into Tim Armstrong a few times and after I performed, I seen him backstage and um, actually he, I, he recognized me because I met him a few times before, not only at that show that we played in 2008. So he remember you then? Yeah. He's like, Hey, what's up, man? So we were kind of small talking. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm he's okay. like, what are, you, what are you doing backstage? Get yeah. out of here. Security. <laughs> Get this midget out of here. <laughs> and I, I told him, Hey, uh, my Elvis booked me to open up for you guys. So I'm a part of the Hellcat records acoustic. How was he in person? Uh, Tim Armstrong? He's really cool. He's really down to earth. Yeah. He kind of, he asked, like I, he made it a point to ask me questions and um, he was, he seemed legitimately interested in what I was doing. So he was engaged in conversation, not just like, not just like, Hey, how's it going? Like he wanted to know what you had going on. Yeah. That is so cool. Dude. Yeah. And Tim, he have, if anyone gets a chance to meet him, he has certain very distinct mannerisms when he talks, you know, if you, uh, kind of, I guess the way he sounds is the way he kind of looks. <laughs> if, that ma- <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, really, really kind guy. So I seen him. Then um, the next in Denver, I was hanging out with uh, Jim from Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Um, I met them working a couple security gigs here in Costa Mesa, and they're not going to remember mine. But they were super cool. Yeah, really, really cool. I met Fletcher. Fletcher asked me for a cigarette, and um, yeah, the, the guys from the English Beat, Dave the singer, he was really, really kind. Um, Iron Reagan, I didn't really get a chance to talk to them so much. And th- those dudes are party animals. <laughs> They're party yeah, animals. Good. You know, I, I'm a cheap date, two cocktails and a yeah. door. So I'm like, oh, I'm not a big drinker anymore. It's just like, yeah, that's funny. That is, that is just a trip, man. You saw how you recircled like, you know, playing, playing with Rancid, but yeah. you're on your own. You've grown. It's just like Sammy's doing his own thing. That's just, just a trip. Yeah. And, well, how, how long was your set list that night? Um, the sets were about 20 minutes, I think. Okay. About 20 minutes. A little shorter, but um, they were cool. I think the most crowded was the, uh, the Denver shows. That's when I the, the biggest crowds I'd performed to. And when I went into the gigs, I thought we were going to be playing like on a side stage or something, but it was on. All, all of it was on the main stage. It was on the main stage. One showcase, everyone performed. And that's how the Zeratory is. They have like the small little constellation room. Yeah. Then they got the main room. And uh, they might change out like the drum kits and some like couple PA's or like amps, mm-hmm. but all the bands play on one stage. Yeah, and it's like you're playing acoustic, and then they kick you off, and here comes you know Necromantics, and they're changing out the kits, they're changing out the amps, whatnot. Yeah, they, they take down your band, you're like get this guy out of here, and they put up theirs. It's just like crazy, huh? So um, I'm gonna pick a song, Lola. What's um, any personal meaning behind that? Lola, yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's about my daughter, Lola. I kind of figured. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's uh, she's 11 years old now, but. Yeah, she was born in 2008 when what I was. What's the name about her daddy playing music and drawing art and all that? She um, she's very nonchalant about it. She's like, just, you're like, hey, you're like, uh, I'm going to tour. You're like, okay, dad, I'll see you later. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> like when I wrote her this song, I showed it to her. I'm like, hey, Lola, I got a song about you. She was like, oh, cool. <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, put all this, you know, effort into it. Like, you know, just like, hey, sweet everything. Oh, that's cool, dad. It's like. Let me go back to my laptop watching. Yeah. 
you know, I'll bring her to some of the shows and like, I'll put her behind my amp. Like I'll give her a little chair and yeah, she just has her headphones in cause it's pretty loud. And she's just watching videos on her phone. Like she really doesn't care. So you're performing and she's just like on her, like your tablet laptop, yeah. just watching, you know, whatever on YouTube. Yeah. And I'll turn around and I'll mess with her. Like I'll stick my tongue out at her or something. And she just kind of smiles. That's cool. So she's there. She's there, but she's like doing her own thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Man. I kind of figured it was about your daughter. I was like, oh, we'll bring it up. So yeah. But it, it's it, with her. Yeah. It's been a rough ride with between uh, uh, custody battles and, um, anything crazy that could happen during custody battle. I mean, it, it has happened to all of us, myself, her, well, her and her mom. So besides, you know, it having meaning being your daughter, it's just things that you dealt with, with just all the issues you had. Yeah. Okay. This is kind of my letter to her. If I were to pass away at a young age, maybe she could, you know, look back at the song and kind of say, oh, yeah. So you you have a lot emotionally invested in these, this music, not only um, creating art, but it, like you took a piece of your heart and put it on paper. Yeah. And, and you're performing. And I'm telling you, those are the songs to me that stick out because you can tell that that artist, that vocalist, he took a, he or, you know, him or her took a piece of their own life. Yeah. And they, they, they transformed into music and, and, and uh, expressionalism. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're, you're, you're performing it to me and then I'm getting my own interpretation of it. Right. Just like an artist who paints, mm -hmm. like he paints, paint a portrait of passion and it has certain symbolism meaning for him. But then at the same time, whoever shares that, they, they're going to pick to have their own as well. So. Right. Right. That, that is cool, man. You mind playing that song? Yeah, of course. Cool. Let's just let's just have Sammy just play music the entire podcast. I'll just shut the hell up, you know. So yeah, this one's called Lola. You gave me reason, a reason to not cry A reason to be strong, to hold my head up high Let's stand and fight this thing that we call life Cause I just want you to know That everything's gonna be alright You're my everything, my love My little Lola You're my angel from up above My little Lola you're my everything, my love, Lola. When you were one, things got kind of tough. Like a diamond in the rough, you stayed so very tough. One gloomy day, they took you away. But who could I blame myself? Oh, my ways. I made my mistakes, you'll understand one day. 
that you're my everything, my love. My little Lola, the up above. Oh, yeah. You're my everything, my love. My little Lola. You're my angel from up above. My little Lola. You're my everything, my love, Lola. By the time you were two, there was so much that you knew. There's nothing I could try to hide. And now that you're three, it's only you and me. You make my whole life complete. Now thank the Lord for my little girl. You're my everything, my love, Lola. Thank you, thank you. Not only I want to thank you for performing that song, but I want to thank you for taking something personal onto your life. Oh yeah, thank and you for sharing it with not only me, but you know the, the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that are going to eventually listen to it or have heard it. Yeah, um, it's hard to do that. It's hard to take like something that's raw and and, and pure as part of your life and just yeah. put it out there. And it's it's emotional and just uh, um. It takes a lot of courage. Yeah. And it's very commendable. And I just, I just wanted to thank you for that. Thank you, dude. Thank you. Not to get too serious, but. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just, I'm digging the music and just, um, we're going to take another quick little break and we're going to talk about some of your artwork. Some of kind of like the spooky or just like kind of um, sci-fi stuff you talk about or your beliefs and whatnot. Oh, we, yeah. We have a lot of commentaries. Uh, nice. Besides being a handsome devil and he's a musician, he's also into um, some kind of. Uh, supernatural things as well so Ooh, yeah, yeah we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with uh the music with sammy ruiz okay folks we're back out of here uh, episode four of the creep cast your host rick creeper Levin, uh with my very special guest uh sammy ruiz uh, not only he's an amazing musician he's an artist and he's an amazing dude all around so he dresses pretty cool too so can you agree can you agree on that sammy <laughs> Like the, the the old school style, the punk rock stuff. Yeah, the Doc Martens. Like you got the Oxford, is it Oxblood? Uh, you know, I, I call them Oxblood, but I guess someone called them Cherry. So Look, see, the Cherry ones, if, correct me if I'm wrong, um, the Cherry have more of a shine. They do, yeah. The Oxblood, I believe, and they're the UK ones. They have, more, they're, they're a little bit more crimson. Yeah. And I think the Cherry ones, they, they come steel toe with the Combat Souls. Oh, okay. So okay. the Oxbloods, um, those are the UK because they, there's the ones that either you make in the UK and the ones that come from China. Mm-hmm. And I want the old school ones from the UK. So, um, yeah, you, you, you remind me of the dudes I used to hang out with years ago, the way you're dressed. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you have certain beliefs. I know you have like, you're like into me, a lot of like spiritualism and just, uh, you believe like in the paranormal yeah, or like aliens or like, you know, other dimensions and whatnot. And we, we, we loosely talked about this last time on uh, just like personally, but, uh, when, when did you notice, like, uh, at an age, when did you start realizing you were into different things than everybody else was? I think um, when the first, I mean, I've always liked scary movies, and I never, back when I was probably a teenager, I'd never really experienced, any, experienced anything paranormal. Well, I guess maybe I did, maybe when I was younger. We lived at a house in Highland Park um, at my grandma's house. We lived with my grandma, and in her basement, she had um, sewing machines. She had a sewing business. 
So I remember at night we would hear those sewing machines go off and there'd be no way because they're like big heavy duty things. You would have so to- you're talking about these old school singer like sewing machines. Yeah. The foot pedals. Exactly. My grandma had one and um, I don't even think it was electric. I uh-huh. think it was manual and it was belt driven. And I remember it was like a cast iron like foot pedal. Yeah. And it had the big pulleys and it was um, apparently those are worth a lot of money now. Yeah. And those things were loud as hell. So I could only imagine you guys would hear those things going off in, your, in yeah. grandma's basement. I remember, yeah, we we would hear those go off. And should I I think at the time that we lived with her, I was, think I was about seven years old. But I remember them going off. And I remember um, this one specific event. My grandma had this boyfriend at the time, some dude named Isaac. And I remember uh, him running outside with a Bible. And he was looking up at a tree and reading verses from the Bible. And I remember looking out the window. And there was a big white owl above um, our house up in the tree. And I guess my grandma had explained to me after the fact that the uh, witches take forms or it was the witches or maybe Lucifer takes the form of an owl. A, a white owl? A white owl, yes. It's funny because there's, there's a term I've heard and I use it all the time. as the the great owl. The more he sees, the less he speaks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But I think gray owls or white owls might be – you might be correct. I got I to gotta speak to my bruja about that and see what she says. But, yeah. So the boyfriend ran out with the Bible and he was reading passages from the yeah. Bible. And now I'm like, what the heck's going on? And of course, the memories are kind of fuzzy because it was so long ago. But I, I do remember that very distinctly. But I think, yeah, that was probably my first brushes with the paranormal. And um, as I got older, I just ne- – nothing really too extreme. But I do recall seeing – I think it started when I was probably a young teen, maybe 14, 15. Um, I would see the numbers 444 everywhere I went. Hmm. I would see them on like license plates, which could just be – us seeing um what's the term when you're you see patterns oh um, i forget that what that term is i know that there's like algorithms like with um like with um i think with imagery i know like they like somehow like when you you look at something like online yeah and all of a sudden you see that ad like on instagram you're like how in the hell did instagram know like i'm looking at like socks and costco or something right, just right. Like, algorithms it could be music it could be uh, numbers yeah um so I figured maybe it was my mind trained to see the numbers 444, but sometimes it was so bluntly in my face. I'm like, well, okay, that was weird. I'm like, so that was kind of strange. So I looked into that a little bit and I had some some friends who were kind of explained that to me with numerology. So um, apparently, um, not to cut you off, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This is the meaning behind 444. It says 444 is a sign someone is trying to communicate with you. Ah. Uh, the 444 is a number of protection and encourage. Uh, it's a sign that you're currently following the right path. Yes. Um. So maybe at an early age, you're, you know, obviously, you know, just because you do something wrong doesn't mean you're not on the right path. It's just, uh, that's how we're in our life. Yeah. So maybe someone was trying to communicate with you. Maybe it was whatever higher calling or spiritual beliefs, religious beliefs you have where they were telling, hey, even though you might not be doing the right thing right now, if you want on the right path. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's it's weird. When, um, I went through a kind of a hard time in my life and I remember... I just wanted to get away, get up and get out. And I got, a, I booked the trip to New York. I booked the trip on a Thursday and I flew out that Saturday. And um, I went by myself and I was kind of scared because I'd never been that far by myself. So I um, landed in JFK, took a shuttle over to Manhattan when I was where I was staying. And immediately when I got off the shuttle, I look up and there's a billboard that just have the numbers 444. And I guess it was Jay-Z. Jay-Z had an album that he put out called 444. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, that is weird. Like, what the first thing I see when I get to Manhattan? So you get to Manhattan and this is the first thing you see is this giant billboard. With yeah, numbers. 444. So I'm like, something told me I'm supposed to be here right now and this trip is going to change me. And it kind of really did. 
you feel like that's something that you manifested because it was constantly in your life from a certain age till that point? Yeah, I think so. It, it's strange. I still kind of teeter-totter, I guess, with as to why I see it. Maybe it's my mind kind of trained to see it. But again, there's those moments where it's just bluntly in my face. Like, mm -hmm. holy shit, that's, that's a huge billboard. No, send me, show me a sign and it's a billboard. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> show me a sign. So do you consider yourself more spiritual, religious? I mean, like for me, I was typical, you know, Hispanic or Latino family, <laughs> baptized Catholic. And you go to a three hour mass in Spanish on a Sunday, which was horrible. Um, yes, I can all, I acknowledge uh, Catholicism is probably the predominant uh, denomination in my life, <laughs> but I'm not a practicing Catholic, but I'm more spiritual. Yes, I think I, I am spiritual. I did. I have struggled with uh, going to church my pretty much my whole life. And I think for a lot of people can maybe relate to this. But as soon as I seen that movie, The Da Vinci Code, yeah. that really kind of questioned everything for me because that movie deals with the, uh, the conspiracies of religion. Mm -hmm. So I did deeper research into that. And I learned that, yeah, I mean, Christianity is um, was kind of picked up from uh, um, ancient Egyptian kind of, mm -hmm. you know, mythology and stuff or mm -hmm. Greek mythology. So, yeah, I, I kind of, I did a lot of research on that. But I think now that I'm older, I love listening to science podcasts. And this, our universe is so strange where they talk about things like string theory. And I'm not going to try to be smart and explain what these things are. But You guys can look it up. I have no idea. <laughs> so, like, as far, as far as string theory, I guess from what I took from that, it's, it explains that there's different dimensions. And this universe is far too strange to rule anything out. And I think that's probably where the paranormal things reside is in different dimensions. Do you know, you, things do you, like that. Um, do you feel there's other life forms out there, like in our solar system or other solar systems? Like, do you believe in, like, in, uh, I hate these word aliens, but extraterrestrials that we go? I do. Yeah, I definitely do. I think as big and as vast as the universe is, we're, not the, only, we're not the only ones here. Yeah. And I, it, it, what's the, the common thing or that, uh, what they say about stars? So if you look up at the stars, which we can only see, like, a super small percentage of the stars at night. Um, each star has at least two planets uh, orbiting that star. So if you do the math, that's millions that's and billions. Millions, that's millions of stars. Out yeah. There. That, that is a trick. So there has to be life out there, I think. So you say you listen to a lot of, a lot of different podcasts, and it's everything from like um, spiritualism, paranormal, uh, just... Yeah, I, I love Art Bell. So I listen to old Art Bell episodes. He would bring on different like exorcists, like uh, Malachi Martin. Wow, really? Yeah. Have you ever heard of that guy, Malachi Martin? Remind me who he is again. He, he was an ex-Jesuit priest who um, who was an exorcist as well. He put out a really freaking crazy book called uh, Hostage to the Devil. And this book is pretty much broken up into, I think, five different stories about exorcisms that he would perform. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that stuff was insane. That really, that's probably the, that's probably the scariest book I've ever read was Hostage, Hostage to the Devil. Um, but yeah, Art Bell, I remember he would bring on different people talking about um, aliens and <clears throat> Bigfoot. <laughs> so just different things, just like the unknown. Yeah. It's like, it's like the fucking X-Files. It's like yeah. one episode's about vampires, next is about like, you know, Bigfoot. Yeah, that is a trip. Yeah. So you're, so you're more spiritual then? Yeah, I, I do believe that there is a higher power, whether it take form of someone named Jesus Christ or, um, you know, whoever, what Buddha, whatever name people put to it i think there is a higher form out there i do too i mean obviously i have catholic symbols tattooed on me but it's yes. more homage um to my family you know my, my grandparents yeah who came and went but they were dire roman catholics from mexico yeah um so it's just more homage to them and acknowledgement yes i acknowledge catholicism but i think I'm more it's uh, to me it's more of a personal connection yeah. personal connection to what you believe in and if you find comfort in that you're not a bad person that's fine like i have my little altar here you know i pay homage to like you know our Lady Guadalupe and, and certain Catholic symbols, but 
I think it's more of a personal relationship. Not mm-hmm. I don't feel a need to, again, this is my opinion. You know, this is me. Uh, I don't feel a need to have to go to church. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever higher calling I believe in, they see everything I do. And like, I have that relationship simply here. So, yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> any paranormal experiences ever um, on your own with amongst your family or places you've gone or you just felt the hair in the back of your neck stand up or you've seen something manifest? Yeah. Um, I think there, there's been a few at my house. My house has been uh, one of those spots where things have happened. Not just to me. I, it's not just uh, my personal experiences, but I've had a few friends that have come over and said, yep. Yeah. This is like, Highland Park, correct? Uh, I'm currently residing in Eagle Rock, which is right pretty much on the border of Highland Park. Okay. Two very little small towns. But um, yeah, what I think one was... Uh, like hearing voices in the house, my daughter when she was little. What? Yeah, she. Uh, I would like, um, I'm, I'm moving out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear voices. I hear voices calling me. Now, uh, now, were they calling your name? Was it a, a male voice, a female voice, some, someone familiar? Maybe. Yeah. So pretty much how this happened was, um, at, with at my folks' place, my the the living room is upstairs, the bedrooms are downstairs. So I was upstairs restringing my guitar for a gig the next day. So I was upstairs by myself watching TV, and I hear my mom call me. She's like, "Hey, Sam." I'm like, yeah. She's like, Sam. I'm like, yes. So she didn't respond to that. So I get up. So it called you twice. Called me twice. Yeah. It sounded like your mother's voice. Yeah. That is great. Distinctly like my mom. So I get up and I walk to the staircase and she's not there. So I go into her bedroom. I'm like, yes. I'm like, you called me? She's like, I didn't call you. I'm like, shit, someone just did. <laughs> and you and you distinctly heard your mom's tone. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you just called me. <clears throat> that is, uh, that's, so th- that's unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> So there's, there, I think there's three of us in the house that do experience um, these events. My mom is very sensitive to those things, mm-hmm. so she says. I've experienced certain things in my sister. There's something at night that knocks on her closet door and you, knocks. You told me about this, and it does the three knocks in a row. The three knocks, and yeah. We talk about what the three knocks mean. It's the Son, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's, the, it's the Holy Trinity. Yeah. Holy Trinity. So what people don't know the Holy Trinity, it's the Son, the Father, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Depends. Yeah. Some of the eviler or more sinister entities or demons or whatever you want to call it, it's a mockery when they do that. It's a mockery when they do the three knocks or uh, even like in certain movies, you'll see the scratches on people's bodies and it's three it's three distinctive scratches on people's bodies. Mm-hmm. So, so you've heard that multiple times, then. Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it loud and clear. I wasn't I wasn't uh, on the verge of being asleep. I was wide awake on my phone in bed and um, I heard the knocks. Yeah, is it a certain time of night? Is it a repetitive, like it's certain day, days or just like, you know, the witching hour, like a certain time at night? Or- the time that I recall it last happening was fairly recently. It was about 11 o'clock. How long ago was this? This was about three weeks ago. Get the hell out of my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. About three weeks ago. Like, really? So how long, how long has this, this incident been happening? Um, it's been happening for the past two years, I think, from what I recall correctly. Now, um, how long have you guys lived in this house? The house, we've been there since 2004. Oh man, two thousand seven. I want to say older home. It's, do you know any history of it, or just uh, you just get a certain vibe when you when you've been there? Or just yeah. Any, any any distinctive anything that stuck out distinctly to you, or just anything just out of the ordinary? Yeah, the neighbors had said when when we, when we first moved in, uh, the neighbors had said that the pre- people that previously lived there they were uh, gangsters. They were really they were drug dealers. Yeah, so they probably brought some bad energy. Yeah, he's like, we're glad those dudes are out of there. He's like, those guys were a nightmare. Just freaking always causing havoc and stuff. I'm a firm believer is it's whatever you're involved in, whatever whatever activities or whatnot, you you, you create that energy. Mm-hmm. You create that energy, or you're magnetic to a certain energy. So yeah, 
you bring that wherever you go. So if there's something lingering, who who that who knows what they've done? Yeah. Anything else besides at home you ever experienced or like you gone places? Um. Yeah. I w- uh, what else have I uh, just recently experienced? I was in San Diego. I went to um. I forget. It, oh yeah, it's called Pioneer Park. And Pioneer Park in San Diego is uh, it's it's actually a kids park, but it's also a cemetery. And there's actually there's tombstones out, out in the back. So I went with a friend out there to uh, this park, and we were. Um, I have a little app on my phone, a little ghost hunting app. It's probably, it's probably <laughs> so, so you're doing like ghost hunting in a cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> and there's probably maybe about 20 tombstones out in the back of the park. So I went maybe it was. So about, it's a kids park, and there's a cemetery attached to the park. Yeah, it's crazy. That is weird. And this is in San Diego. It's called Pine Park. Uh, but yeah, Pioneer Park. Oh, Pioneer Park. Yeah. And I learned about this through uh, when I went to the Whaley House. I went to the Whaley House in San Diego and they're like, and I'd asked if there's any other really haunted spots. And they said, yeah. The, the Whaley House is another haunted location as well. Yeah. It, the Whaley House is, uh, it's in Old Town, San Diego. It's probably one of the most haunted places. They have a pretty cool haunted tour down there. Yeah. But the ones that happen here in Orange County, they actually come, when they do the Santa Ana tour, they mm-hmm. come through my neighborhood. Oh, nice. So I'm sitting there on my porch, um, you know, drinking like coffee. No, I'm bullshit drink. I'll probably drink whiskey in a <laughs> coffee cup. And I see all these people walking to my neighborhood. I'm like, what the hell? And I realize it's the, it's Haunted Orange County. They do the, the Haunted Walking, historical Haunted Walking tour in, here in um, the French Park District in downtown Santa Ana. Oh, nice. So they do one orange, they do one Fullerton, San Juan Capistrano, um, the Black Black Star Canyon, which I heard is pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. But the one, you, I think the one you you were down there looking at, um, that was pretty, that was pretty good, I heard. Yeah, the Whaley House. It's it's pretty cool. I've been there a few times, but I'd ask the people, I'm like, what what's some other haunted spots around here? And they had said Pioneer Park, which is, I guess some people know about it, but it's not one of those places you can go you can go do a tour at. They're like, you just have to go on your own. You got to go on your own and yeah, take a chance. And they said the park is built on a cemetery. He's like, fuck that. He's like, be, beneath all the these sounds like, like it sounds like a pet cemetery. <laughs> yeah, he's like under all the the playground and stuff. There's like there's bodies under there. He's like, but in the, towards the back, there's tombstones. That's, oh, as much as I love, you know, kukui stuff and spooky stuff, that's just unsettling. That's just, yeah, that's just weird. I mean, and while we were there, we were, we went about midnight and, um, yeah, I brought them, I had a little, uh, the ghost hunting app on my phone and it would beep anytime something was close to us. It was beeping like crazy. Who knows if it works or not, but, um, we, we did see something. We saw, um, something peek out from a tree. So there was a body. I'm like, holy shit. We both saw it, me and my friend. So the fact that both both you saw it. So I try to I try to so you're in this cemetery that's that's connected to a kid's park. Yeah. And you got your ghost hunting app and then um you're picking up on whatever. So you both saw something peek behind a tree. Yeah. Was it was it uh was it human like, humanoidish? Was it was it like a spirit that was transparent? Was it just dead eyes? I mean, what exactly did you see? It was, it, I, what, from what I saw, it was a black mass. It was, um, it was a tree. It was a big tree behind the tombstones. And um, we had, we were, my friend caught it. She's like, hey, look, look at this. And I'm like, yeah. And we seen distinctly a head. I, I didn't see the full body. I just seen like the head and shoulders. It peeked out from outside the tree. So it peeked around the tree. Um, did and it have eyes? Was it just like a black figure? It looked black. Yeah. Really? Just like a black mass. Like a black, yeah. Like with those black uh, costumes, like those, uh. Unit, unit, what are they called? Unitards? No, like a leotard. Leotards, like yeah. One piece. And it looked, <clears throat> it just, it looked you guys' direction without any eyes and just, did it disappear right after? Yeah, it went back to the tree. It kind of hid behind the tree again. I'm like, I clearly saw that. Maybe it was my mind playing tricks on me. Who knows? But I. Now, how did you feel as far as um, like any sensations your body did? did your Because we're all intuitive. Yeah. Right? To, and some are in tune more than others and some are just dumb as a box of rocks. Yeah. Did you sense, <laughs> sense anything when you saw that? Um, I, you know, what? I don't, I, I ran, 
<laughs> I, ran, I ran fast back to my car. That scared me. <laughs> I don't blame you, dude. I got so scared. I haven't been that scared in a long time. I ran back to my you know, car. You know, you know, you're spooked. It's like it's like when someone it's like someone draws a gun or you hear gunshots. But for you to see something, your your mind process, you're like, I don't know if that's a ghost or not. Or I don't know what the hell that is. But yeah, I was gonna get the hell out of here. Yeah, that um, scared the crap out of me. But as far as what it was. Um, as far as like the evil energy or positive, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really feel that. I just like, I just said, I'm like, holy shit, let's get the hell out of you're here. You're just like your skin, yeah. your skin crawl. <laughs> yeah. Um, after Sonomasa Palooza the third day, um, some, some friends I was with, we went to Pasadena to go eat. Mm-hmm. And one, one of the, one of the friends was like, Hey, you ever been to the suicide bridge? It's right here. Yeah. And I took some pictures. I posted, I'm like, no, I've never been. And. We're walking, you know, we're, we decided to walk from, you know, the city life where all the restaurants and I, I forget, I think it's Colorado. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we pretty much go from all the, where the nightlife's at mm-hmm. and we're walking and you're walking through neighborhoods. Then we get to a certain part where we get closer to the bridge and just the air got still mm-hmm. and it got quiet and just a totally different vibe in the air. Yeah. <clears throat> and just my intuition's like, okay, there's something going on here. Yeah. And we get to this park and it's a park and there's an apartment complex. And then the one friend is like, this is it. So you see this bridge, and it looks like typical, just like old, old, old world. Like, well, not just old, old LA. Yeah, just like the architecture, very, very like uh, Art Deco from the forties. Yeah, even like the light posts. And what's a trip was, they had this signage on the on the chain link fence that said, "Uh, some contact information for a suicide hotline." Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, and I guess previously there was no chain link fence bordering the uh the bridge it was mm-hmm. open <clears throat> and people were just for some reason they gravitate there and they just they jump off that bridge that's insane huh? so um we we walked the length of this bridge and it's a chain link fence and the entire time it was unsettling mm-hmm. like I was, I was interested it piqued my interest but it was unsettling and there was padlocks people were putting random padlocks everywhere mm. and there was these little alcoves so it'd be like a street light a little off cove with like a bench you go for look we mm-hmm. couldn't get there because it was fenced off Little alcove, you go overlook the bridge, and that's where people were jumping. Mm-hmm. A few times, like you pass some of those, and just the the vibe was just off. Yeah, it just didn't feel right. And I'm there with two lady friends. I'm like, and I, I'm obviously, you know, I have to be the man and protect them. But I'm fucking shitless too. <laughs> shitless. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we get to the end of the bridge, mm-hmm. and there's a stairwell that leads down to like a service road that actually leads to like you know, like the the. I guess you would consider like the, the landscaping of, of the area that goes under the bridge. Yeah. So we all kind of stop and we're contemplating to go down there and it's a different fucking vibe. And I'm just like, there's something down there. There's, there's multiple energies and multiple vibes. Mm-hmm. Not a homeless dude just to do riding his bike at night. Yeah. He came out, he came out of the dark and the girls were like, Whoa. And I kind of like this guy, I got closer to the girls and just, this guy was just like, this guy said this, Hey, what's up? What's going on? He's all, hey, it's fucking creepy down there. Yeah. And like he, he had a very, serious look on his face like he wanted to get out there he was carrying his bike he wasn't walking he was carrying it oh shit and he carried his bike up the stairs like he wanted to get out of that area that all that landscape and shrub that was under the bridge yeah apparently when people you know they jump and that's where they all landed yeah so just imagine all that unsettled energy or just unsettled just like you know people dying us you know abruptly and they don't know they don't realize they're dead yeah and they might be like in purgatory or they're just they're stuck in limbo yeah but um even walking back it just uh like I said, I don't want to bring nothing with me. I just don't want that vibe. And so I'm like, um, let's, let's leave that there. So I came home and did a little ritual and all that. So 
<clears throat> yeah, I definitely believe in that. I definitely believe in just, you know, spirits and angels and just, uh, I don't think we're, we're here by ourselves. I don't think um, we're the only people here. It's too big of a universe. Yeah. And like I said, I live in an old neighborhood. Even moving into here, I was a little, little standoffish. I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear three knocks in the middle of the night. So I had someone mm. do, doing a little, a little cleansing and just kind of like uh, purify my apartment. Yeah. To make sure it was comfortable to move here. Because this house was built, I think, in the 1920s. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm a firm believer when you do construction in an old building, I mean, it, it might be unsettling to certain spirits. They don't realize. They're like, hey, why are you moving into my house? So. Yeah, so that was where the suicide birds. I think it's Pasadena. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I live right near, right near the suicide. Bridge. Oh shit! Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, on one side of the the bridge is Pasadena, on the other side it's Eagle Rock. Yeah, that, that was. It yeah. just, I love that. I love it out there, but just it was unsettling going under the bridge. Yeah, and we like got to a point we were contemplating we wouldn't go any further. Yeah, and when that guy came out from where um, we we're planning on going, he's like, "That's pretty creepy down there." That yeah, was confirmation. I'm like, "Yeah, we're not going to go down there." So. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I, I'm, I'm down there all the time because I like taking pictures. So I take. Uh, one of my buddies and we go take photos down there and uh, I've never experienced anything down there, but I have met a few homeless dudes who have stopped by and they, were, they just start chatting with us. So like, dude, yeah, we, we've seen people like walking in front of us, make a turn, gone, completely out of sight. Like they jump or was it a spirit that was just passing through? He, he from what he explained, it sounded like a spirit just passing through, just walking by. What the fuck? Yeah. Imagine, down underneath. Yeah. Imagine all the unsettled souls that don't know they're dead. Yeah. They're just, uh, it all depends on your beliefs, but, uh, that's just that's a lot of. Uh, I hate to sadly to say, but the head count imagine the amount of, the amount of people. It got so bad. I guess they had to build that fence. Yeah, on both sides of the bridge. It's, I think if I'm not mistaken, I I'm not too sure, but I think since they've built that fence, someone has just jumped too. There was a recent suicide. Really? Yeah, we hear about them all the time because being so close. It was just crazy to see like the sign. It says like you know a suicide hotline. Yeah, it's like this is the suicide bridge. I even tagged it. Like I, I took a picture of it. Cooler moonlight, what I know. I was like, I'm going to take a picture. And it even said, like, Suicide Bridge. It's yeah. Like Pasadena. I'm like, even, like, the GPS calls it out. I was like, that is fucking creepy. It's like. That's crazy. And, man, I mean, bless their souls. But, man, what what drives a person to take themselves out like that? What an insane way. I mean, I get it. People get weak. Yeah. Um, a part of my beliefs feels like it, they're not 100% themselves. Yes. That's what I think. They've, they've yeah. somehow been corrupted or just manipulated by whatever got into them or yep. whatnot. So it's like, so you saw in Fallen Angels, well, Fallen Angel, excuse me. Uh-huh. Uh, what's the meaning behind that? Since we're talking about spirits and whatnot. Yeah. And that one, I mean, I went through a, a, that rough patch in my life with my mom getting sick and uh, a lot of problems with my daughter. So I pretty much lost all faith and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write a song about Lucifer because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he was a fallen angel. That's right. He was. Yeah. And I felt like uh, God's not putting any good stuff in my life. So I, maybe Lucifer might. <laughs> that was kind of my uh, my view on that. So, but yeah, like you said, yeah, Lucifer was a, a fallen angel and um, it was, uh, yeah, kind of my um, my big uh, middle finger to uh, the powers upstairs powers because upstairs. I was just. I don't blame you, man, but, but you know. Like you said, your own addiction issues and the issues with how you know being a father and then, then your mother getting sick as well. So. Yeah, so it was just, yeah, a rough time in my life. So I thought I'd write this song. But as far if I do, I don't know if I do have the same beliefs. But it felt really good to write that at the time because I was pretty angry. It was, it was um, self gratification, probably relieving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and look, it's a cool song. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, this is another one I haven't played in a while. No pressure. Okay, there we go. 
I've looked at you for years Despite destruction, pain and tears They say you bring light into my life You fucking joke, I found the other side A fallen angel brings light to my life A morning star rises in the sky Now I see beyond all your lies But now I see beyond all your lies Seeing the countless you betrayed You call me a sinner to repent in your name You fucking joke, you ain't seen nothing yet A fallen angel brings light into my life A morning star rises in the sky But now I see beyond all your lies But now I see beyond all your lies A fallen angel brings light into my life. 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 I love that one because it's short and sweet, yeah. but it has so much meaning. <laughs> and just that vibe, that, that just that twangy kind of like country, like honky tonk vibe. It yeah. Just, and then you explained to me what it means. I was like, that just, I'm telling you, man, anything that has meaning, like personal meaning from that artist's experiences or just trials and tribulations, and then you're, you're sharing with other people. That's yeah. just, if people are aware of what you're talking about and they relate to it, that just has more meaning than anything. Yeah. Just, and that's what I dig. That's why I heard that. I was like, yeah, I want to hear the song. I think, uh, yeah, old, old Hank Williams, uh, the senior, uh, he really inspired that one. I love Hank Williams. It's another influence as well. Yeah, Hank Williams, old, uh, I love old country. Old That's country. cool, man. I, yeah. I'm totally digging this. It's just, uh, this has been fun so far. <laughs> I'm totally digging the music. And I took a chance. I'm like, hopefully this sounds good. But uh, so far, <laughs> we were good. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, <clears throat> again, I'm here with Sammy Reese. You can find his music and his artwork on Instagram. At, um, at the art of the art of Sammy Ruiz and the music of Sammy Ruiz on Instagram. Yeah, the, the music page is uh, Sammy Ruiz music. Okay, and uh, yeah, the art is the art of Sammy Ruiz. Cool. And again, I'll definitely put all the links to the links to all his information, music, artwork, his clothing, and whatnot. So we're gonna take another quick break, and we'll be back uh, with Sammy Ruiz. Okay, so I'm just gonna jump back into this because I feel like we got a good rhythm again. Uh, episode four with Rick Creeper Eleven. Um, my guest today is Samuel Reese, who's been playing some amazing music and sharing personal things of his life. Uh, but one thing we need to discuss is your artwork. Not only your musician, but you're an illustrator as well, or more artist. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I focus in a lot, a lot of uh, character design. Um, I started doing, I think, yeah, when I first started doing this, I, um, I do a lot of mashups. So I would take an existing character, for example, like Felix the Cat, and I would kind of give him a different twist. Um, I put him in like in a, in a rude boy kind of suit. I noticed that. I like that. That was cool. Yeah. So I started doing a lot of mashups um, and I purposely did that so I can get used to a lot of uh, the ways that previous illustrators or character designers would draw. I would kind of get used to shapes and stuff. But now kind of where I'm at is I'm designing my own characters. I have a lot of ideas on things I wanted to do. Um, I did a series of characters called the Sea punks 
which I are all like, that. yeah, yeah, they're kind of like a, I did an octopus, like a, a vampire. Um, what the hell was it? A vampire squid, a jellyfish. I love like, things like that, like weird, strange things. Are you lefty or righty? I'm a lefty. Oh, so you can't do nothing right like me then? Yeah. <laughs> What's weird? Majority of like illustrators um, or artists, painters, a lot of them are left-handed. Yeah. Uh-huh. So weird facts about left-handed people. Um, apparently, we have better vision underwater. Really? Oh, I, I, I'm blind as hell, so I, I can't determine that. Um, what I heard is what determines us to be left-handed or right-handed. Our right arm slightly becomes dislocated during birth. Mm. Oh shit! Um, okay, and and we're very artistic. Also, a lot of left-handed people are there. They're very artistic, and I always always the joke. I'm all, yeah, I can't do nothing right. Yeah, that's why you're all like, I think he's a lefty. I, 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 I wasn't paying attention when you were taking notes. I'm like, yeah, yeah you sound like you're. But you play you you play guitar um, right handed. Yeah, actually, this is the only thing I do right handed, and I think the reason is is because when I first started playing guitar, um, I would watch different videos of other musicians playing guitar, and that I just picked it up the same way they were holding it, and I just kind of taught myself that way. No, are you? Um, I can't say the term, but you can use both hands. Oh, ambidextrous. Yes. Uh, no, actually, I can't do. That's too big a word for me. Sorry, <laughs> I can't do anything with my right hand except really? play guitar. Yeah. So the only thing you. You is playing the guitar. Yeah, that is fucking weird. So I, I play guitar when I was just personally on my own when I was younger. Yeah, and I personally I bought a left-handed acoustic. Yeah, but it's a uh, Fender, correct? Yes, this is strap. This is a Fender um, uh, Hellcat, the Tim Armstrong ah, okay. signature series. Yeah, okay. uh, but yeah, I think my the reason why I started playing the right-handed guitar is probably because my grandpa just picked up a guitar for me. Not knowing that there was left and right, you just and you just got accustomed to the right-handed guitar. Then. Yeah, I think both ways seemed equally hard, so I just kind of picked it up right-handed. No, was, your illustrations, your drawings, obviously left-handed. Yes, everything. Oh, Do all you right. have that issue of smudging? Because I smudge since we're left-handed. You know. I, when I write, everything's smudged, like yeah. whiteboard and all that. Big time. I, not only do I smudge, but my hands sweat like crazy. There's like puddles of sweat. In my hands. <laughs> so you see, yeah, like little wet spots on my, my drawings and stuff. So were you a little kid just like doodling, like just sketching things out and, and, and it developed over time? I know you mentioned your mom. Yeah, my mom, she, she would sit down and draw like dinosaurs with me and stuff. And I remember I was I was a very quiet kid. I was very uh, to myself, but I I loved watching movies. And my dad or my grandpa would take me to the movie theater. And I would redesign their the movie posters. I would make my own movie posters for the movies so I'd watch. Art, art was intent. Uh, art, what's the term? Um, art. Oh Jesus, I'm gonna butcher. Art pretty much creates art. So you were looking at these movie posters, and you came up with your own illustrations, your own rendition of it. Yeah, I would kind of redraw life, movie posters. Life imitates art. There you go. Sorry. Yeah, I probably butchered that anyways. <laughs> so you went to the movies with your folks and your grandfather, and then you just saw these movie posters. Yeah, and you would go home and draw your own version of it. Then. Yeah. I draw uh, my own versions of the posters, but I got introduced to um, horror by my grandma Alicia. She, uh, my parents would leave me; they would leave me with her at night whenever they would go out. Justin said the same thing. He's like, I would go to my grandparents' house, and he's. Uh, I was watching Texas Chainsaw. I'm like, what kind of grandma? Well, you know, same, same here. My, my grandpa's let me watch Elvira. Yeah, I wonder why I like I like curvy women with black hair and makeup. I'm like, eh, eh. you know, I turn into the Wolf Man. I was like, man, that's another story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so. So definitely you feel like the art was influenced by just um, like movies or just, just sitting there and you're drawn on your own. But what, what, what inspired you to become, um, again, to um, become an artist and actually creating these, these, these pieces like the one I have right here in my living room? Um, I, I think um, a lot of it was, I think what I remember liking back when I was younger was character design. Okay. The way they would draw certain characters and stuff. And I got introduced to Tim Burton at a very young age. My aunt bought me the Nightmare Before Christmas when it first came out on VHS. I, I see that influence. I could definitely yeah. see it. Especially like the, um, 
I notice you have a, a certain style, like the the eyes. Yeah. Even like your business card and your logo, it's like it's like everyone's on acid. I notice that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what I kind of like if, if you remember that movie, uh, Dead Silence. Yes. With uh, the James Wan director, he I mean, I, at the end when they're kind of showing all the people that were killed, but that became dummies. They all had that signature look on them. Yeah, they had that stare. I That's like that. You say that because a lot of like I have Alice in Wonderland here. Um, Art from Sammy and um, even your logo, you have that, yeah. That it's kind of, all the same, that blank stare. Yeah, the blank stare. Very animated. Yeah, and I kind of like that. That kind of says something about characters, but I like putting them in kind of awkward situations, almost as if they were like, all right, time to take a picture, and they just kind of stand there awkwardly, you know? When did it get to a point that your art, you you, you, start, you started considering becoming a vendor, like at the cons, like at Midsummer Scream, and like um, the Terror Market at uh, the Sugar Man. At what point you're like, okay, I want to start vending this art and selling my music and making t-shirts and pins and whatnot. Uh, the vending stuff, actually, I, I have, I could pretty much thank my friend, um, Oscar Navarro. He's, he's one of the vendors. He goes by the art of sketch. I have really him to think like big time for all that stuff because my first art show that I did was back in, man, I, I remember the year, but he was doing art shows near my house called the, at some place called the Verdugo Bar. And back then I was in, I was in school for art. I went to a uh, college. And I was doing like weird college project art, you know, so, art things. So you had the natural talent and you, you were refining it by taking courses locally in college. Yeah. So I was doing like uh, like landscapes and portraits and stuff. And it wasn't really horror stuff. But my friend I, – I contacted my friend uh, Oscar. He, we had mutual friends. So I contacted him and he let me uh, display some of my pieces at the, his art shows that he would have. Really? And then from there it just it got bigger and bigger and you started selling at the conventions. And- yeah. And then you're, 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 I saw your website. I'm like, wow, this is pretty legit. Not, yeah. not that I'm discrediting what you're doing, but I'm like, wow, Sammy does music. He's got a website done the cons. I'm like, I can't even, I can't even micromanage my social media on, on <laughs> Instagram. I'm like, you know, such a buffoon. But um, hell, I can't even edit my own podcast. Um, that's just crazy how you went from just being a kid that was just drawn for fun to like now you actually have merchandise yourself. Yeah, and I, yeah, I um. I think, yeah, just, I spent a lot of time by myself and I did, uh, yeah, just drawing in my room. Um, I read a lot of goosebumps. Uh, I love goosebumps and stuff. Watching the X-Files. I would watch that all the time, watching goosebumps, the TV show. Um, but yeah, I get back to the art shows. I think after doing the shows with my friend, the art of sketch, I kind of just met people from there. I started doing shows at bars, but little by little, it's just meeting the right people. Um, and just, um, yeah, it's slowly progressing and, Having good work ethic. That's exactly. Yeah, we we talked about that privately. Um, I agree with you hundred percent. Now, when you do your, your music gigs, do mm-hmm. you also have your your artwork available as well? No, actually, what I do is um, I they they're kind of separate. I think a lot of people that follow my music page don't know that I'm a musician mm-hmm. or uh, artist. I'm sorry, and vice versa. So eventually, what I'm going to start doing is uh, com- combining the two. That's cool because yeah, you're going to have your music fans, and they might not know you're an artist as well. Yeah, or they want to get the CD and get like you gave me the pics and then the stickers, which I thought were totally cool. Yeah, and like the shirts, I was like, you might want to get a little bit of everything. Right, and just I think it's just cool that the fact that you're able to do both it's, it shows you're very you're very broad as far as your 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 creative your creativity. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I, I like that. So. And I, I kind of been brainstorming different ways to com- to combine the two. So what I want to do is take some of these songs that I wrote and uh, start illustrating them, start depicting them in different ways. Like uh, I have a song called Mr. Nick, which is about Satan, and uh, kind of mm-hmm. draw him the way he's depicted in the song. And uh, yeah, I think that's a cool way to. That'd start. be cool. That'd be like a cool book, like a yeah. Like a, um, 
you ever thought about doing that? Then actually, for the next CD, I'm going to do that. I'm going to illustrate each song and That's write, cool. write the lyrics. So and maybe uh, like a little short book, like short stories maybe? Yeah. And that, I, I, totally, I totally see that. That's a trip. So we definitely talk about your musical influences. So I'm going to paint a scenario that here in my shitty little apartment, um, the time portal opens up. And you have an opportunity to go see any of your favorite artists, any era. Um, where would you go and why? Who would it be? I think uh, probably the first one I would love to go back and watch would be Django Reinhardt. Django was, uh, I don't know if he played any shows in the United States. He's from uh, Belgium. Hmm. Um, and he really, he, he was a gypsy. And he pretty much only played when he wanted to play. And what era was this? Like what time period? This, I think he was most playing, well, playing the most back in the 30s and the 40s. But he got caught up in a lot of that World War II stuff. So I think at that point, that's when he pretty much kind of stopped performing is it got tough with um, with them and you know the Nazis and stuff? But vocalist, guitar player. He, he's a he's a solo guitar player. Pretty mm-hmm. much what he does. Yeah, he doesn't sing, um, but the way he plays the guitar, Jesus Christ, it's amazing. So he, just acoustic. He's an acoustic performer. Then. So he, he played by himself sometimes, but he had a band behind him that was called the uh, the Hot Club of France. So they um, the music would be called Gypsy Jazz. Okay. That he performed. And it was beautiful music, very cinematic. So I think he would be the first one, Django Reinhardt. Would you want? If you had an opportunity to perform him, or would you, would you just want to just be an observer? Like sit I, there quietly and just watch him? I think I would just sit there quietly and watch him. You wouldn't be like, hey, I'm going to come jam with you. He's like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could ever keep up with him. He only had two working fingers, too. Really? Yeah. He, his hand got burned when he was younger. So pretty much all this stuff you hear is only with two fingers. So he would the, the, the damaged hand was mainly handling the fretboard? Yes. Wow. That's crazy, yeah. That's a crazy fact. So him, I would definitely... Uh, just watch. But I think as far as play with, I would play with uh, um, Helen Wolf. Okay. Man, I, I love that dude. That dude's music. I, th- I would love to be just a backup guitar player in his just band. Just playing with him on the stage. Yeah. Big venue, small little intimate club, like a little jazz club, or maybe like a, like a juke joint or something. I, I would say probably the best the best shows that he probably played, I'm, I'm guessing, is just probably those little blues bars. Yeah. It's like, like a backwoods juke joint. Yeah. Moonshine. It's the same with an acoustic guitar. Yeah. That see that's cool, yeah. <laughs> so you definitely would jam with him then. Yeah. Him or with Tom Waits. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. And Tom Waits, I, he doesn't really play anymore, but he I mean he's still alive, but yeah. Well, what 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 period of Tom Waits like like when he was in like in the seventies when he was a little more psychedelic or nineties was a little more not mainstream, but a little more hip to culture. Yeah, I think probably the nineties Tom Waits okay. when he was doing albums like Blood Money. Um that that's a cool kind of circusy, very cinematic music I would love to join in on. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So what's next for uh, Sam Marie's? What do you got going on um, the next few weeks? Um, the next few weeks, it's well, I, I have the the show right here at the Frida. That's gonna be that's gonna be cool. That's in December. Um, let's see. We on December twenty first, I'm gonna be over at in uh, in Long Beach for an event called Tim Burton Burlesque. Cool. Yeah, that one should be cool. Put on by my friend Bobby Burlesque. But next year is gonna be pretty pretty big. I have uh, Midsummer Scream coming up again. Three days. I don't know how I'm going to do three days. Yeah, it's going to be a brutal one. I don't want to think about it. It's <laughs> like, uh, any conventions you're working on um, for December? Any, any of the cons? Do you need merch or music? Um, no gigs booked in as far as music. No gigs with in December. The next gig I have coming up is on January 18th. That's going to be in Highland Park at the Offbeat Bar. Okay. You normally play there? Yeah, that one I, I kind of play there a lot. A lot of my buddies book shows there. I'm about to go one day. Just get the yeah. hell out of Orange County. Just go down there. It's a cool place, but I don't want to get too comfortable playing there because I notice what's if you, when musicians get comfortable playing with certain places or playing at certain places, they just stick to that spot. 
they don't really venture out. And so, yeah. Hmm. And I want to make sure I get out. I go tour. I'm booking a tour next year. So I'm going to. Cool. Who do you sell? Who do you see yourself touring with? Or would like to tour with next year? If you could, if you could pick like a certain artist or band. If I could, I would really want to join in on some of those uh, acoustic artists because I think a lot of acoustic artists are getting kind of popular again right now. And for example, the guy I was mentioning earlier, which uh, Amigo the Devil, I would love to open up for him or some other guy named King Dude. King um, Dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a cool name. We'll go check it out. <laughs> yeah. He's like some crazy satanic acoustic guy. Hmm. Um, that would be cool. But I, I I do have a lot of love in for the punk rock hmm. um, music scene. And uh, Specifically, yeah, those guys have showed me a lot of love by booking me with Rancid. My friend Elvis Cortez from Left Alone, shout out to him because he books me all the time at uh, different spots and stuff. So it, it's good to surround yourself around um, like-minded people. Yes, uh, not only professionally but just uh, personally, and just um, when people are willing to you know put you out there or take you on under their, under their wing or just um, to show you love. Yeah, and, and I, I I experienced that personally a lot in the last two years, just being involved with things I do. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird how like, um, you might know someone I know them as well. They're like, oh, yeah, I know Sammy too. I'm like that son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's just like, it, it's just you realize the people you surround yourself with around that they're just like you, and then they have the same beliefs or feelings or whatnot, and they're, they're very creative. Yeah, they're very passionate people that are artistic. It doesn't matter if you're playing, you know, playing a guitar or you're being a, a monster. We're very passionate about what we do. Yeah. And we put a lot of our own um our own selves into it. So it's you get emotional. Like I got I got emotional a couple of times when I was scare acting and they, yeah. And just like you take it, it's 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 who you are. Yeah. So people don't realize it's like, hey, what you're what you're seeing, what you're hearing, or what you're reading, or what you're enjoying, that's a part of me. Yeah. And um and it's just good to have that. And then like I said, being around the right people who appreciate that and are willing to put you out there and just like introduce you to this person and that person or like vouch for you. Hey, you know what? I got this guy that plays guitar and he's an artist as well. He'd be cool for this, this, this convention or this yeah. event or whatnot. So. And I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the main thing I love about uh, getting the chance to meet all you guys, um, yourself and uh, Scaredy Cat Vasquez, Mr. Death Breath and uh, vendors. Bobblehead, bobblehead Scaredy Cat. <laughs> different vendors like Mandy Monster Under Your Bed or Steffi's Doodles or Spooksy Boo. It's as I see every, everyone's not only positive, but everyone's just, they have a love for what they do. And it right. t- takes a lot. It's a, you know? And I keep saying it, it's a small community and just everyone knows each other and everyone talks about each other, good and bad. Yeah. Um, but it's just, hey, if you got nothing to hide, you know, you're a decent dude. You got nothing for it. Yeah. So, so that being said, I think we talked about your music, your art, um, your personal background, your, your addictions, your, your family, um, your influences. Um, You've done a lot, and, and and just it's amazing to see how you've gone from being you know this junior high kid playing drums to you create your own art, and you're you're playing with Rancid and going on tour with Rancid and Pennywise to mm-hmm. you're, you're you're a vendor now, and you have these CDs, you have music all over these different all these different platforms. I'm like son of a bitch. I was like okay, <laughs> at the same time you're a very humble man, which yeah. I, I I respect and I Thank appreciate. You. So um, I think that's pretty much it. Any more questions? Uh, Anything you want to mention? Anything you want to ask me? Or yeah, well, for just, just to mention, yeah, I've been lucky. I've been blessed to have been given these opportunities and stuff, and to have met all you guys. And I know it takes courage for you. To, I mean, I I can never be an actor. I, I, it's, that it's, is so scary. I, honestly, <laughs> I don't know how in the hell I did. I, I came this close to walking away, and if it wasn't for certain people that convinced me on the spot. Yeah, but as soon as I did it, I was just like, it was like Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. Like I just drank that potion, and I was like. <sighs> 
I need more. I was like, <laughs> but at the same time, like I have, I turn it off. Yeah. Like I have costumes piling up um, in my effing bedroom. I'm like, either they're going to get thrown away or I got to put them in storage. So they, it's like the monster needs to go to bed. Yeah. Go to sleep. I, yeah, man. It's, it's hard. And again, I, 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 I don't give myself enough credit. Quite a bit. I'm just because I'm humble, but uh, yeah. those people have been doing it for years. And then at the same time, that's something. How do you manage to, to be a father and hold like a, a, a nine to five job and, and be an artist and a musician? How do you, how do you do all that? You know, I actually I, I take pride in being very organized. I have in my wallet. I have a little calendar that I print out for each month. <laughs> uh, it's OCD, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a nerd with those like little like desk notes and stuff. And uh, but yeah, I keep myself very organized. I have a to do list every day. I make sure I check them off. There's something very satisfying about putting a little check mark next to something you've done. <laughs> what you're doing is it's brain or mind dumping. Yeah. And um, once once you complete that task, you check it off, so it's no longer your subconscious. And yes. You see the completion of it. I do to my personal life. I do it at work as well. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're very uh, you're very on task then. Yeah, and I, I've noticed that at my age now, 31, I um, different things like eating, what you eat, um, exercising does give me a lot more energy now. Oh, wait till you hit your 40s. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I it's like, and I I'm I need to eat better. I need to lay off the soda and the, mm-hmm. the junk food and stuff, and I, that does oh, help. Just this week, give yourself about five years. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but as far as a question for you is, uh, is there anything we can maybe share as of right now about the event? In December, so so, um, myself, the Frida Cinema, and Ghost Party Pictures are doing a Christmas horror theme film festival. That's an immersive event at the Frida Cinema here in downtown Santa Ana. It's going to be three different uh, horror theme um, Christmas movies, and then it's going to have immersion with scare actors and different type of photo ops. Um, also, we're having vendors as well. Sam is going to be one of the vendors there. Uh, I, it's just this crazy brainstorm idea I came up with and wrote down on paper and I approached the right people. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but we'll see what happens. And it's just going to be different experience. You could, you know, obviously go enjoy, uh, these, these horrible, uh, Christmas horror movies. And then at the same time, you want to do a photo op of the twisted stand that you can and buy some cool merchandise from someone like Sam. I don't know how it happened. It just surround myself around the around, around the right people. And yeah. An idea that went from paper and went to meetings to meetings to multiple emails to finally taking measurements and, and reaching out to people and okay, I guess this is happening. It's official because yeah. it's on their fucking website. And I'm like, ah, no pressure. <laughs> um, so again, <clears throat> it's at the Freedom Cinema. You can find them on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and on their website, Freedom Cinema in downtown Santa Ana. It's put on by Dark Alley Productions, Ghost Party Pictures, and the Freedom Cinema as well. Uh, we have multiple vendors, and um there be some scary monsters roaming around scaring the hell out of you. A couple of creepy elves and maybe like a perverted Santa Claus or two and a, a disgruntled dad, like an ugly sweater party dad disgruntled. So yeah. So you get that haunt, you get that haunt fix that we haven't had since October. Yeah. So um, that is really cool. Yeah, and thank you for, for putting all this on because I, I've done one art show. I've hosted one art show in my, my past and it's a lot of work. So thank you for putting that time out and to, to do all this. Honestly, I, I I needed to fill a slot, so I just I just needed. To <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no, I, I really wanted your art there. Thank and you. I thought you'd be a good fit because, and you're at the conventions too, so it's, you're a good fit. And I wanted your art there, and I was like, you know what? Maybe in the near future we'll do some type of musical event there if things are successful. But no, I really wanted you there because your art. I love your art. And awesome. You're just solid, dude. So thank you, dude. Thank you for including me, dude. Yeah, no problem. So um, I think we're gonna wrap things up and um. Finish with the main track off your latest album? Yeah, uh, Ghost of L.A. Yeah, so this is, again, this is um, Sammy Marie's artist and musician. You guys could definitely find him on Instagram, Facebook, and also on your website. 
Yes, uh, the website, theartofsammyruiz.com. I got two Instagram pages. The music is Sammy Ruiz Music. The art stuff is The Art of Sammy Ruiz. Um, eventually, hopefully, I can merge the two together. And um, But uh, yeah, pretty much I have Facebook, but I'm most active on Instagram. Instagram as well, yeah, as well as me. And I'll, I'll put, again, I'll put his links in the description. But uh, yeah, let's finish up the podcast with um, the Ghost of Los Angeles. Well, Ghost of LA, excuse me. Perfect. Shadows where we hide Better make a run We're coming out tonight We're the ghosts We're the ghosts of L.A. 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 Just a bit deranged, we don't fit in, and you just don't belong. Come on, bomb side and come and sing along with the ghost. We're the ghost of LA. We're the ghost of LA. We're the ghost of LA. Thank my guest, Sammy Reason, once again. I shouldn't cough on the microphone, but I just did. For not only sharing your art, but your music and personal aspects in your life. Um, you've been an amazing guest, and I enjoyed I enjoyed your music. Um, it just, I, I'm just dumbfounded how much you're able to do and how much you got going on in your life. And you continue to be positive. You're always smiling. Um, and you're such a young man still, and just... Who knows what you're capable of doing in the next 10 years or so. Yeah. And thank you, brother. Thank you so much for including me, having me on the podcast. And, and uh, yeah, just for being allowing me to play some songs. And uh, thank you for doing what you do as well. I had no other guests, so I had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the last pick. <laughs> I'm just bullshit. So thank you again, Sammy, for being here. Thank you for everyone at home listening. Um, continue to support the podcast. Support Sammy, uh, Sammy and his music and his artwork as well.
I will put the descriptions there where you can find him, me, and Sammy as well. Uh, everyone have a safe and happy holidays, and we'll hear from you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, everybody, that's a wrap of episode four with my amazing guest, Sammy Ruiz. You can find his music, his art, all linked in the description of the episode on Instagram, uh, the art of, of Sammy Ruiz, uh, Sammy Ruiz music. You can buy his merch, his music. You can see where he's going to play out, play out, excuse me. Um, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to episode four. I'm going to take a little hiatus rest of the month, probably January as well. I do have some guests lined up. I just... Want to unwind a little bit. I haven't really slowed down since the haunt season. You know, it's December. So I'd like to thank everybody out there for supporting the podcast and supporting me in my personal life. Again, I'd like to thank Sam Ruiz for coming in and playing amazing music for us and opening up his private life and not only wearing his heart on the sleeve. Um, I'd like to thank everyone that's been very encouraging me to actually take this journey to podcasting. And I really don't know what I'm doing, but I'm learning. So once again, thank you, everybody. And, um, you guys enjoy the rest of the year and happy holidays. Take care.